listeners, Stephanie here. Today we have a very special episode of Dub Talk Classics for you that we are just super excited about. But before we start, on behalf of the Dub Talk podcast, we wanted to wish all of our listeners a happy and wonderful Pride Month. Know that you are seen and loved, and we very much appreciate you. No, 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 go on. What are you doing here still? Be gay. Do crimes. <laughs> Enjoy today's episode. All right, Kitty, I'm going to need you to be quiet. And what what are you doing in my jacket? Get out of my jacket. You need to be quiet, Kana. Otherwise, you need to be out the room. Kana, they can hear you, though. Okay, sorry about this. Enjoy, enjoy editing this. Lots of bloopers with cats. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for stylish younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised, especially all you stylish out there. Also, please beware, there will be spoilers for Princess Jellyfish, as well as various other... <laughs> Kana, what are you doing? Get down. Let me restart that. Also, please beware, there will be spoilers for Princess Jellyfish, as well as various other anime, and there will be fashion tips for all you people, yes, queen. Use caution in case you haven't finished the series yet, but also fashion, turn to the left, fashion, turn to the right. Finally, the opinions expressed in tonight's episode are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Also, trans rights, and please respect people's pronouns. Enjoy the show. Hello, all you fabulous human beings, and welcome to another episode of Dub Talk Classics, where we look at a series and dub that we think is a staple in the anime world. I'm your anime fashion guru, Stephanie, and tonight I am joined by Noah. <sighs> you know, uh, the train that uh, I saw just the other day, uh, let me tell you about it. It was a 464 uh, oh, okay. A3 style no, no. style from, no, made, made no, by the Nielsen no, Company no. Uh, for the <laughs> wrong lines. We don't have time for this today. Them. I gotta no. tell you about the trains. No, Noah, sit your ass down. <laughs> Fine, I'll just sit here brushing my incredibly big afro. Good. We also have Zenith. Oh my god, guys. Do you hear about this new game that I've been playing? So it's about Batman. Oh, Jesus. And, and, and okay. we've been playing this multiplayer. It's awesome, oh, but okay. not no, really. No, stop. Stop. No, we, we don't have time to talk about You things. know, Batman uh, needs a well, train. You know, what would be more okay. badass than Batman just going down the rails? I'll just brush <laughs> my long guys. hair and put on my dresses. Fine. Okay, you go you go hang out in your closet. It's fine. And and I've actually been wanting to address this individual this way for a while. And we also have the artist formerly known as Roots of Justice, Patrick. Yeah, hey everybody. I just got my COVID vaccine yesterday, and I'm freaking dying here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was yeah. there the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I get mine next week. Hell yeah. Um <laughs> But anyway, the today the four of us are... The problem is it, it, you didn't put yourself in a in a tub of salt water, you know, the correct way that you're supposed to. If you've just dunked oh, yourself sweet, in that salt water, you'd have been fine. Lord. Anyway, today the four of us are here to bring you the laughs, the drama, 
and all of the latest fashions during Pride Month. Join us as we discuss the 2010 series from Brainspace and director Takehiro Omori of Bakano, Durara, Hellgirl, and High Bunny Renmei fame, if you can believe it. Really? That was him? Yep. Though he was an episode director for High Bunny Renmei, just to clarify. Yeah, but he did actual directing for Bakano, da 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 and Hellgirl. Yeah, really I, I can't believe it because there are definitely points of like, oh my god, I have a Bakano feeling here. And mm -hmm. it's it's not just the dub, and we'll get into that. But all I have to say right now is fashion, turn to the left, fashion, <laughs> turn to the right. Anyway, we are here to talk about Princess Jellyfish. Yay. If this is if this is your first time hearing about this retro jam, here's a quick summary. Plain, timid, and obsessed with jellyfish, Tsukimi is a far cry from her idea of a princess. Her tepid life as a jobless illustrator comes complete with roommates who harbor diehard hobbies that solidify their status as hopeless social rejects. These wallflowers run a tight, nun-like ship, but their no-men-allowed, no-one-not-know-how no bubble is unwittingly burst after Tsukimi brings home a rescued sea jelly and a beauty queen who's actually a guy. When threat of losing their cozy con convent inspires this glamour boy to turn the neurotic entourage into a portrait of success, will Tsukimi take her chance to bloom? Or will she end up a hot mess? I took that from the back of my DVD set, by the way. I gotta check now. Like, does that have the same one? We probably have the same set. I gotta check now. I have the save edition, so... I am very jelly, okay? I do not have this set. Oh. I do not own this physically. So... Um, not yet. I got the big box. Oh, I hate you. You have the LE? I... Okay. Quick little tangent here. Um, cause okay. it's actually kind of why I'm here on this episode to begin with. Yeah. So yes, we, we, we usually with classics, we talk about previous experiences with the show and everything, but yes, go ahead. All right. So first and foremost, I watched this show during the simulcast period and loved it. Cut to a couple years later and I'm at Anime Boston. Mm -hmm. Um, this may actually ring very similar to another story I have involving Black Butler that um oh, no. that yeah steph was around for and um i don't think no one zen were but um i, I have not ever to been to anime now. boston no no it has never been we need you to come to anime boston dude we one of these do. years man one of these years one of these years anyway donate continue. to the dub talk patreon <laughs> um so in this particular case i um it was sunday at the convention mm -hmm. and the funimation booth cut the price of the limited edition because this was right around the time um, they were just flat out cutting the price of the um, of the set. It went yeah. down to like 30 bucks. And oh, like, I hate you so much. And I happened to see it and I ignored it all weekend. And I was also, I should, I should note, I took this trip with my high school, even though I had long since graduated that was a thing I could do. Um, bus was going to be leaving in like two hours. Uh, dealer's room was going to close in about one. I bolted the hell back in there and got it. Oh, you son of a bitch. 
not only is that an awesome not not only is that an incredibly uh, uh cool thing to do that is an incredibly otaku thing to do you know oh 100 because oh, yeah. we otaku love to hoard our money until the very last second yes oh, so... okay now now i don't have 500 games okay i have 600 for a reason oh my god <laughs> Anyway, um, so a little bit into previous experiences on this show, um, my understanding is this. So Noah and I have watched the show previously and we have seen the dub. However, Roots mentioned this and I think this, uh, Patrick, excuse me. Hey, it's and, fine. Um, I'm still trying to get used to you going by your actual name now. The artist and, formerly um, known as Roots. <laughs> yes. Um, Patrick, Patrick and Zen, I believe, have watched the show previously, but this is their first time they've watched the English dub for this show. Yeah, that's a bad um, habit of mine. Actually, I I had seen this a while back, and I hadn't remembered which I had seen. I had seen the dub. Okay, so you have seen it. So Roots, it, Roots is basically the. The, the new one on the dub side of it but you've had you have seen the show at least i had yes, seen yes. one episode of the dub when i first bought the set and that i have a it. very bad habit of just leaving things on my shelf and letting them collect dust that is also an incredibly otaku thing to do i do that too like i have so much anime now and it's why like, you gotta uh, call me out like that <laughs> He's calling all of us out, Zen. And like, all, everyone in the comments, everyone listening too, every one of you who is listening to this right now and is like, yeah, that disguised me too, go ahead and proclaim it proudly so that everyone yeah. else doesn't feel left out. Like, you are one everyone of a very has special a club. Everyone. Because this show is very otaku-centric, and it does not matter if it's just anime and manga, which this show definitely delves into. So mm -hmm. if you're an otaku of any kind, it does not matter. Leave a comment of what kind of otaku you are. Let's go. Um, anyway. My fellow cooking otaku out there. There you go. My fellow video um, game otaku. There we go. <laughs> Come on, um, Lilac. You, you theater otaku out there. You can't hide behind uh, the curtain. Of course I can't. Why would I? <laughs> and of course anyway. me being the like, comment, and subscribe otaku. Brr, 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 brr. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and don't forget <laughs> our Patreon. Subscribe. Go to our Patreon. <laughs> Early shout out on the Patreon. All right. We'll um, have more on that later. More yes. on that later. But um, anyway, so briefly going over a little bit more of previous experiences we kind of already heard from patrick a little bit um me i watched this show when i was in college i think i was a junior senior in college originally and i first watched this show it was in the english dub i fell in love with this show <laughs> it is just it's so cute and fluffy and it's a feel-good story and at the same time I just relate to it so well. I think it can be very relatable to anybody. Um, and that's like, like that was my first interaction with like understanding what the term otaku even meant um, to another scale. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those. One of <laughs> like, them. It was, it was... One of them. One of them. <laughs> one of us. One of us. But yeah, like this has always been 
one of, among one of my absolute favorite anime series for sure, especially for one performance in particular, which we will get to much later. Mm-hmm. Um, Zen and Noah, any brief mentions on your previous experiences with the show? Uh, yes. Um, I actually saw this for the first time back in 2019, so I was late to the party. Um, I oh, think you're was, very late to the party on that one. <laughs> very late to the party. I don't exactly know when this came out. Um, but The I show s- itself was 2010. I think the North American release would probably gauge around like 2011, 2012, if I had to guess. So yeah, I was very late to the party. Um, I was shown this show by an ex-girlfriend of mine at the time. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, despite everything that happened, I really treasured this show this show speaks to me it spoke to me then it spoke to me now it's light and fluffy and i'll get into my thoughts on it in a little bit but um it was just something that you know an ex-girlfriend we were both into anime she showed this to me and it clicked with me instantly no yeah i mean especially in your especially in your case Considering some of the parts of the show itself. Yeah, I can see that 100%. Certain things that we will definitely dive into. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, there's a reason we chose this for uh, representation during LGBT month. Uh, yep. Can't, if you can't tell from the imagery in front of you right now, um, well, we'll explain later. But uh, my own experience is uh, I don't have uh, uh, much of a story exactly tied to this. However, I think I first experienced this show like a lot of people, including mm-hmm. the director of the ADR director of the show, in that my first experience was the opening. There was, uh, yes. I'm sure, uh, one of many countdowns of top openings of the year for when this came out, which uh, it was 2010, uh, listed this <laughs> the, in the that... opening has so many pop, so many references. It's so fun. It is. It's it, it has, so it has good. Some it's so good it it, it's like i i okay so the star wars one the sex in the city one i got but it's got some kind of obscure ones in there too it's got there's no sex in the city it's singing in the rain and mary poppins in the rain mary poppins no before before the very beginning when they're walking towards this camera and you got the line and the title screen in the back that is the Freaking Sex in the City font. Yeah, as of course there's Sex in oh, the City. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. Okay. I, no, I, I wasn't entirely sure, but like I saw the James Bond one. I saw the. Yep. Yeah. The, the train homage the, the, has got to anyway. be from like Lupin, maybe? Actually, no, the oh, train the, one is something else entirely. No, Indiana probably Jones, I think. Nope. Uh, actually. Ah. Okay, so the train. Okay, I know this because they listed it on the episode one commentary, which thank you yep. for those people who recorded that. Okay, so the train where she's on top of the train. Uh, Bombas on the train is actually from a movie called Emperor of the North. I have yep. no idea what it's about, but it's a very explicit reference to it. And then following that, you've got uh, Chaka like throwing the dice. Uh, yep. That is a reference to an old movie called Ga- God of Gamblers. So, mm-hmm. uh, huh. so yeah. So it's there not- are some very f- there are some very fun references because uh, the train one and the um, gambling one always confused me. And then I listened to the commentary. And I'm like, oh, I've actually never heard of these movies before. Yeah. Anyway. So, so yeah. anyway, so, and this anything movie, else to note in your experience, Noah? And uh, so, yeah, I don't have a, like a personal connection to this, um, but I do. I really enjoyed rewatching this for this podcast. And you'll find out yeah. why as we go through, because I took the time to really figure out what they adapted in the mm-hmm. uh, from Japanese into English here because 
this is not a show that was originally made for the anime watching kind of crowd. This wasn't for yep. the cat ears, para para dancer, Mikuopolis kind of crowd. This was actually made on a network that, or not a network, but a kind of a programming block in Japan. Yep. How do you pronounce weirdly, it, Patrick? Weir- uh, Noitamana. Noitanama. Thank you. It's the word anime Weird- spelled we- backwards. Weirdly enough, the show about otaku wasn't exactly pandered for actual otaku. It's well, I mean, it doesn't portray the characters in a flattering light. So of course, it wasn't no, supposed to be I know, pandering. But my point still stands: the irony of it. I mean, the, the irony. <laughs> See, it's funny because the there. in 2010, the word otaku, uh, especially in Japan, was like really derogatory. It was something oh, you did absolutely. not want to be called. I kind of feel like we, as the otaku culture, have kind of retaken that word back. But it refer- yeah, it refers to honestly anyone who has an obsession with anything it can be anything mm-hmm. from model trains to three kingdoms right. to making excel graphs like anything that you are obsessed with you can be an otaku of <laughs> not calling anybody in this call out <laughs> whoops but i'm anyway. sure half of our listeners feel seen now thank you noah <laughs> it could also numbers, be numbers. a person who makes shows on the internet about anime <laughs> That is also true. We've kind of, so yeah. so. I'm really excited to kind of anyway. talk about what no, this yeah. show is and does it hold up ten years later? The, the short answer, I would say yes. But anyway, I digress. I think we we we've rambled on long enough. This intro long enough. Um, why don't we get started on the actual dub and we'll go from there? How's that sound? Alrighty, that sounds fabulous. Hell yeah. All right. So first and foremost, of course, we have to talk about our ADR director and our script writers. We have three writers attached to the show. Um, so <laughs> our ADR director actually doubles as one of our writers as well. Um, so I'm going to hold off on him for a second. But our other two writers attached to the show for episodes two, five and ten, we have Chuck Huber. And we have for episodes three and four and episodes eight and nine, we have Patrick Seitz. Uh, Chuck Huber has written for other series such as Bacchano, uh, Hitalia, and Skip Beat. As for Patrick, not Roots, <laughs> not that Patrick, the other one, uh, Patrick Seitz has written for series such as Agretzko, Space Dandy, and Gamers. Now, our individual playing double duty as director and one of the writers is the one and only Mr. Christopher Bevins. Woo-hoo! In terms of directing and writing work, uh, Christopher Bevins has directed series such as Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department. Um, I don't know if the episode is going to come out before Prince we release Jellyfish, but I will say this. He also directed Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Yeah, we had fun talking about that just a few days ago. Oh, yeah, at the time of recording, absolutely. And he also directed Diagon Rampa the animation, as well as Diagon Rampa 3. Uh, it, it's okay, later. I don't hold Diagon Rampa the animation against you. I tried to pick some things that people in this group would be familiar with. That's usually my logic on this. In terms of writing, mm-hmm. uh, Bevins has written for Michiko and Hachin, yes. uh, Gundam, Gundam Build Divers, and Aquarian Logos. Uh, but I believe, if I'm correct, Michiko and Hachin, and I believe Gundam Build Divers, he also directed on. He did. Um, so just as a little aside there. So... To start things off, let's start with Patrick. What are your thoughts on the directing and writing of the show? First of all, I thought the 
direction was really solid. Casting was really solid. Um, oh, yeah. The writing is really... It's vibrant. It's energetic. It's punchy. It's full of banter. It's great. Um, this is kind of a thing that wouldn't be really a thing for another couple years, but it is kind of strange to see a show about women being written by, like, all dudes. Mm, okay. Yeah, I never yeah, thought about true. that. Um, I, I thought the script writing was fine, though. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's just something that it was a little more thought of later on. All things considered, um, considering this is a dub from around 2011, 2012-ish, it holds up really well. Um, not just in terms of the the jokes and the references they use, um, but other than a few uncouth words, I guess I could mm -hmm. say that yeah. American audiences weren't aware were uncouth when the stub came out. Either words or individuals at the time. Right. So, which is, which is hard to do, considering it's... Shit happens in the span of ten years. Right. Pe people learn, and they know, and they grow, so... Um, anyway. We are, like... We as Americans are now aware of a certain word... Mm -hmm. And its connotations in the UK, which is now a major yep. anime consumption market, considering yep. they are manga UK is now a part of Funimation. Mm -hmm. It just to give context for people who may not know, um, I'm not going to outright say the word. It begins with an S and ends with a Z, um, if that's the word you are referring to. Yes. We actually, uh, uh, us here at the podcast learned about this late last year, actually. We had yeah. never heard about it before, so. Yeah. So, so it, I, we apologize. Um, I actually have, I actually had heard a little bit about this because um, one of my friends had recently changed their YouTube name because they learned of the connotations of the word. Oh, Oh, really? Theme Snark, right? Uh, uh, no, actually, uh, well, that, that too, but also... Um, superhero rundown who used to be running fool's gold under the name lady was, ah, was, gotcha. was using that name now yes. also um i do find it interesting that um in the danganronpa anime uh not and mm -hmm. in, in pot and in, in danganronpa the game they also use this word and i don't know if um if they just because I know that both projects were coming out at the same time. I don't know if there was certain liberties taken there or if it was just so a coincidence. So I, I, I think it's pure coincidence, honestly, because mm -hmm. um, if you're referring to the dub of the game versus the dub of the anime Diagon Rampa, it was two different casts, of course, and they weren't, like, at the they, time. Cause, they again, weren't Bevins directed director, the same. He, Mm -hmm. Right, because Bevins probably was not informed there was a cast for the game that happened. Um, and that's why it shit turned out the way it did. But um But yeah, it I just think, it, back I, I in that time period. Back in right, that time period it was just kind of a common thing to refer right. to energetic. Because the game because the game I think came out around the same time period as Jellyfish, if I'm correct. Yeah. Um so it's it's very interesting. Ten years can make a damn difference. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. 
Um, but anything else to add, Patrick? Yeah. Um, one other thing that I was actually particularly impressed with, with the mm -hmm. script writing, um, yeah. considering this is like, you know, time period this was done, the, the early 2010s, um, it did not fall into certain pitfalls, um, in terms mm -hmm. of script writing, in terms of, um, particularly terminology regarding queer coded characters this this step was actually particularly forward thinking in the in the yeah. terminology they use um again certain words that were not okay then but were still used were not used here yeah mm -hmm. so that's like the fact that they took it into consideration is also is amazing um, and particularly, I wanted to bring up the, um, uh, a certain instance, because there are two particular, um, and that's the One Piece movie episode of Alabasta, and mm -hmm. the subsequent Alabasta arc of One Piece, which were dubbed at two separate times. Um, the movie, which was done first, uses the particular word I'm referring to, but I'm not going to say... Oh, you mean um, yes. when they're talking about Mr. Two? Yes. Ah, yes. And Thank God uh, it didn't happen here. The Alabasta mm -hmm. arc of the series did not. Good. I have bug. not. I, I have not seen this part of the actual like dub yet. So I'm gonna get to that eventually. Yeah, it sounds like it's just the um, the recap compilation film and not the show itself, though, which is good. Yeah, the the show itself, to my memory, does a better job with Mr. Tuvon Clay. Um, don't quote me on that, because it's been a okay. very long time. It's been a long time for me, too. It's fine. <laughs> we will see when I get to it and, you know, see how it goes. <laughs> Good yeah. luck with that. But anyway, anything else? Um, no, I, I thought in terms of direction, script writing, and casting, this was... Probably one of the more solid projects of the early 2010s for Funimation. Okay. Uh, Zen, what about your thoughts on the writing and directing? Um, first of all, I think I, I want to say that the casting was brilliantly handled. Um, mm -hmm. This is actually one of the better dubs that I've seen in the last few years. There's not a lot to really criticize. Um, yeah. Casting-wise, really, you got people who fit the voice. I believed every single one of them. Maybe one or two times they dropped a little bit. For, for the most part, everyone's in character did a great job. In terms of the directing, I think this is a dub that you have to be comedic and have comedic timing, but you also have to have dramatics and, and deal with dark backstories. And that's not mm -hmm. easy, but they pulled it off brilliantly. So I applaud the directing. Now, I do have to raise a finger at the writing. 99% okay. of the time, it is good. It is very okay. good. And I think a large portion of that is from the start to around the two-thirds mark, I didn't really notice anything out of place. But there were a couple things that stuck out to me for one or two words. Not like a sentence, okay. but when, so when, when there was an otaku rant in a later episode and they used the word philistine, um... One time they used Twitter as an example. Like she's one of those uh, Twitter 
user nuts or something like that. And gotcha. Okay. It's terminology that I fear dates the project. And it's, Mm. this is a timeless piece, but I feel like Mm. a couple phrases did date it and kind of pick it out. Okay. Um, But it's not enough that it was distracting. It was maybe two or three times that I was like, I took a step back. I thought about it, but it, it was delivered in a way that I was, I thought it was believable. It's certainly better than some things like, I'm sorry to harp on this Bevins. I really am, but Danganronpa the animation first line, prime real estate much? Like th- that's Aww. the first line. And so there's, that's the difference. Zen's the, having flashbacks. The delivery is fantastic <laughs> here, so mm-hmm. I can forgive a few words that I didn't think okay. were good for the piece, but overall I think the writing is good, especially okay. on the otaku. Okay. Zen, would you believe me that this is also the director behind Here's an old one for you. The Heroic Legend of Arslan. <laughs> oh my god, I would believe you there. I would definitely believe you. And here's the yeah, thing. Bevan Bevan's directed Arslan, so Bevan's I did love Arslan. It took me a bit to get past episode 1, I but I did you love we first watched it time has changed many things but i i bought that series i really do love it but it's a good show once you get past the first episode where it's bad (laughs) that's but but that's the thing bevins i do like you and i i don't mean to harp on you i i think you you're capable of doing great things it's just you have a tendency to be in projects that have problematic elements that great on me in certain terms and i don't mean that against you it's just sometimes it happens okay that's 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 honestly a fair a fair criticism honestly uh noah your thoughts on the writing and directing well being the worst dub ever made i have a lot of problems to say about this (laughs) show and it's just absolutely just uh zero tears come out <laughs> the jellyfish stingers will come out. Here comes the commentary. Do, do I have to cancel my Jim Henson subscription or something? No, 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 wait, no, 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 no. Come back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. No, no, I'll be nice. I promise. Please don't let, take let, it away. Let, let's be let's be real here. Noah is being the most sarcastic smartass here's really possible right now. Let's oh, be real. It was sarcasm, and here I was yeah. about to pull out the ankle shankle. You were going to pull out your pitchfork? Well, well I mean, I, I, I'll i still put that ankle shankle on. I mean, you know, I, I'm not oh I'm not God. above yeah. a little bit of kink. I, but, uh, An ankle well, shankle I mean, is you, a knife. You are, you, it, it's meant you to are stab part ankles. of the cage crew. I, I, again, I'm not above the kink, you know. it's it's just All I'm, I'm saying is I review the Dark Crystal for you, and this is how you betray me. <laughs> my, my heart goes out to you. My heart, Just like this show, my heart goes out to you. Because oh, so th- this show is really fascinating to watch. Um, as an animation connoisseur and historian of everything cartoon made, uh, it's really fun watching not just uh, the kind of content that they made for the show uh, that was intended to be broadcast for a non-otaku Japanese audience, but also how that forms the lines as well. If I want mm-hmm. to describe Princess Jellyfish in Japanese to you guys watching... Have you guys ever seen like Everybody Loves Raymond or Friends? Oh Lord! Or, it is, and okay. I, it is uh, because the references in American common and um, sitcoms is supposed to be very across the board. Like anybody watching it could get them, right? So for a, a similar reference, uh, in 
the uh, in the Japanese, there are a lot of references to things that we in America have just never heard of before. There's references to Matsugoru. There are references mm-hmm. to Bamboo Hat Jizos. There's references to Ginza Girlfriends. Well, some of you may know what that is, but just a ton of like my notes are filtered with watching the show with the subtitles on to find out what were the original lines what were the references in there and they're not like references that inform the plot they're just offhand comments that the characters make because it's like how we live our lives you know we make offhand references to movies and anime and music and video games because that's just how we live our lives and how our brains work yeah so and the reason i bring that up is because you cannot translate that directly in to English. So we had two options here. We had two options. And I want to show a hands here what you would have preferred. First thing we could have done, we could have done the Sentai Filmworks thing where they kept oh, the, they kept the original line in with the original Japanese reference with a pop-up text screen explaining to you what this originally meant. Now, how many of you would have liked that for this show? Not for translator's note. Yeah. Depends All according to Keikaku. Translators though. Exactly, exactly. Like depends on this depends on the situation. <laughs> well, I feel like for, for a comedy, it's a lot harder to take that because yeah, for a comedy it's a little more difficult, you're right. Yeah. It's just so, hard because when they're coming a mile a minute, I have to keep pausing and then I'm taken out of the experience. Yeah, that's right. Right. That, that's that's why I, I'm glad they went with option number B, where they made new references that mm-hmm. don't change the context. And make more sense for American audiences. And I'm going to take you guys through this one example here. Just one quick example. There's a reference uh, where the two two lead characters are talking about this bitchy girl who nobody likes in the show. In the original Japanese, um, one of the characters is asking the other character, is she your Oni? And is trying to say older brother's girlfriend. But all she can get out is Oni. And Oni, if you know your Japanese mythology, is Demons, yeah. is a Japanese demon, exactly. And so the other character is yep. like, is she an Oni? And you get like this picture of an Oni <laughs> mask that pops up. That that that's amazing. That that is that one bit there. Okay, so that's what was in the original dialogue. In the subtitles, what happens is uh, Oni doesn't quite work out as a reference if you don't know what that means. So what they said right. is they had it sound like the one character is saying, is she your oh oh oh. And then the other character says, ogre? And it's like, mm. okay, uh, ogre face. All right, that still kind of makes sense. That, you know, it doesn't lose works. the translation. So that's, what we've already made a change there. Now we get into the English dialogue. We get into the dub portion. What do they do for that? Do they keep the word oni? Do they keep the word ogre? No, they don't do that. Because an English speaker wouldn't say oni-san to reference a big brother. They would say, is she right. your big brother? Uh, girlfriend and so the one character in this instance is saying is she your and then the other character says boogeyman it's like in that works one way to work with it and that worked you're right and especially and especially since you have to worry about lip flops too at the same time well the entire translation has to do with like what letter what sound are you working with and it has to refer it still has to make sense with that picture Mm -hmm. of an oni mask that's about to pop up Obviously, yep. the average anime watcher may know what an Oni is, but they'll still get the point if you call it a boogeyman as well. Right. So so that's one little instance that I just spent six hours explaining to you. Imagine an entire 11-episode show that is just jam-packed full of that. And that is why... I'm about to, I'm about to say, you're not going to spend 11 hours explaining anymore, right? No, <laughs> that, more of these that's going to be part of my new in mini-series. In this essay, I will. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> it might come to my TED talk. In my new, to my my new ten-part documentary TED series, but that okay to wrap this <laughs> that up. You can produce on your own time, and my own, my own, uh, much free time that I have. No, so Chris, Chuck, and Patrick just peppered the show with all of those, mm-hmm. brought context to situations where it needed them, yep. kept the flow going, and aside from some of those, like you guys were saying, dated things that are, are dated simply because we just don't use those terms anymore, we, you know, right. we, we want to be sensitive. Other than that, this is a really well-written script, and I highly recommend anyone who's seen the show already, go back and watch it to try to catch any Japanese references that you may have missed the first time, because maybe now you're more seasoned and you can recognize yeah. things like, uh, what was it? I'll, I'll come. I'll think of them as we're going through the episode. Lilac, <laughs> did you like this show's dub? No, I'm not hosting this episode for any reason at all. No, oh, well, that's a shame. Well, I've got to be the one <laughs> I'm the, in ro- the group. Oh, I'm the wrong person to host this. No. Good night, everybody. Um, well, uh, wrap this up, everyone. It's it's a, it's a wrap. So, <laughs> it's been. It's, if you'd like to follow us, please subscribe to us here on our channel. We also have a pod. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Stop it. <laughs> um, I'll try and be quick because I am in agreement with everybody on bits and pieces of um your thoughts uh i think the directing is very very solid um the casting is just a lot of fun and um i know noah can attest to this and i i think patrick saw the commentaries too um i wasn't able to catch him in time gotcha where um bevan's actually mentioned that at the time this was one of the most difficult shows he had to cast Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, he also had mentioned, like, and as we go through, especially when we get to the Amars girls or the Amamizukan girls, um, like, they're very distinct and different from each other. And then you have, lo and behold, Kurinosuke, um, our, our fabulous, fabulous, um, frig, stylish, there we go. Stylish, I'm like, what's that? <gasps> the stylish! No! Yeah, who, who is, ironically enough, higher pitched than all of the girls, which is great. Um, mm. But some mm. of the, I, th- I, re- I really love the casting. It's a lot of fun. The directing is just so, so impeccable. And I have to give credit where credit is due. I know a couple times it's been brought up about um i think zen brought it up once or twice in passing about some long-winded otaku rants (laughs) props to the girls on that props to the ladies on this one because lord trying to do that basically in a single breath is without stopping memorizing all your lies getting it all out and and just non-stop and 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 matching the lip flaps (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, I am. I do not envy you in your position, especially Tsukimi. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, directing is fun. Casting is great. The writing, <laughs> I do enjoy the writing. Uh, I really much enjoy it. I think my thing is this. I think anime fans of, since we're all basically around the same age, the four of us, of our generation will understand this script i think people of like younger generations might not either understand some of the references a little bit or again because we mentioned a couple problematic pieces that obviously they wouldn't know about 10 years ago and they know now um 
uh, that might not sit well with the with younger generations of anime watchers. Um, but I hope that's not a deterrent for people because this is mm. just such an underrated gem of a show, and it's so so much fun. Um, writing wise, it's definitely I think a lot of fun and is very it can be very clever at times. But I think there might be younger generations of anime fans that there are some pieces that either they don't get, they don't understand, because um, the ref some of the references are things that our generation would know, or a couple things that might not sit well with them, because 10 years ago, like, you're talking about 2011, 2012 versus 2021. It's been a decade, shit happens, and we learn from things. Um, but yeah, I personally, I this, this is so much, such a fun show, and I love the writing, directing, all of it. Um, so much fun. Anyways, so, we have some characters to talk about. Are we good to Yay! move Ooh, on to our first- some fun ones. Oh, <laughs> our everyone in this cast is fun. Everyone in this cast is fun. Um, but this trio right here is gonna be a lot of fun to talk about. So, I, I pre-set up the visuals in my editing software for this. I call this section, Politics and Jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> So, we have, for this wonderful section, we have Keiichiro Koibuchi, who is the father of both Kurenosuke and Shu, and he is a well-known politician. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, we have, ah, uh, if I screw up this name, oh well, uh, Saburata, Saburado, Saburata, fucking hell. Negi Uncle Saburato! <laughs> Uncle Saburato! There you go. Uh, Negishi, uh, who is the current prime minister of Japan and is the uncle to Kurenosuke and Shu. And we have, because I didn't know where else to put her really, um, but this, we can't, we can't not talk about Princess Jellyfish and not talk about Clara the Jellyfish. <laughs> Commercial break. Tequila. Tequila. And now we're back. Tequila. Um, Clara is Clara. Initially, is a jellyfish that um, is at a local pet store, and Tsukimi just has these wild fantasies of this jellyfish, and um, she rescues Clara with the help with Kurenosuke's help. This is actually how they meet. Um, because Clara was gonna die. She's freaking dying over here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the individuals voicing these characters as uh, Koyobuchi Sr., we have Charles Campbell, who has portrayed other characters such as Stodden in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Denoi Tese, uh, Suwong Kondel in World End, and Hayasura in It Invaded. Uh, as Nagishi, we have the late. Um, Jerry Russell, who voiced characters such as Governor Glenn Ford in Burst Angel, Chen Goming in Jormungand, and Oraldo Eklund in Spice and Wolf 2. And as Clara, to which, finding out from the commentaries, this was actually her first role, uh, we have Laura Woodhall, who has voiced characters such as Hina Kobuta in Barakaman, uh, Kosuri Onigarashi. Onigashira, Jesus, in Shimanetta. You're doing fabulous, honey. I'm trying. And um, younger Yuki in Wolf Children. Sometimes names are a pain in my ass. 
Um, let's start with, let's start with Noah this time. What are your thoughts on these performances? I, I'll keep this rather brief because although these characters uh, are memorable, especially Saberata, because um, they're not as uh, prevalent as the other ones. Right. Um, yeah. Um, now it's it's interesting that uh, in watching the show, uh, they talk about what the pol- the political group that they're actually a member of. Uh, the so diet. Like, yep. Not, not that it's called. Yeah, the diet is um, essentially that's the. It's kind of the equivalent to the House of Representatives in America. Yes. They're uh, elected officials who help make shape the laws and most prominently elect the prime minister of the country. Mm-hmm. So that's why uh, it's so necessary that uh, Saburata is so tight with his uh, brother-in-law. Yep. It's um, how it's described in the show. Now, how do they perform? Uh, Jerry Russell sounds like he's having a blast. There is no line in his, uh, you're so cute, and um, uh, squeaming around or talking about... Um, you didn't shoe. hear about shoe, shoe and shoe. his uh, uh, shoe. Like he always hiding shoes problems, his girl problems. Yep. That is not so much fun to listen to. And luckily, it matches the character design. Uh, there's a bit of a fear in watching this. That is he more over the top than the animation? And it's like no, no, no. That, that's exactly what the animation calls for. Mm-hmm. So I, it's very sad that we no longer have Jerry Russell yeah. with us because my heart goes out to the guy. Yeah, He's Le- such let's a joy. just say. Now, Charles Campbell is interesting because he plays his role 100% straight because he has to be uh, serious the whole time, yep. which is funny considering, you know, he kind of uh, had an affair. He had a mistress. He banged the opera singer and had a secret love child. So he's not quite as straight-laced as he'd like to yep. come across. And that comes across that comes across in when Charles has to play it straight in scenes where he's not really... Uh, in control of the situation, but mm-hmm. he does a good job in those. And Clara's, uh, Laura Woodhull's Clara is really good. Um, the only thing that I had as a note is that she starts out the show in a really high falsetto voice, mm-hmm. and then she seems to get a little bit lower as the show goes along because she okay. keeps popping up as a voice to explain to the audience yep. the secrets of the sisterhood. Yep. So I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it seemed like she was really high in the first couple episodes huh. and then kind of brought it down to still a high voice, but something that sounded less like a Bee Gees character by the end of the show. I didn't notice that, actually. Yeah, it, it's not super noticeable. It's huh. just a an, a bit of an inconsistency. Oh. It's humanly possible that over the course of recording for the show, it might have put a strain on her voice. Uh, that's kind of what I had assumed as it's well. Humanly it's humanly possible. Still, or the performance just kind of naturally evolved. Oh, that's true, too. But oh, yeah, so these are, yeah, so these are... Yeah, so these are... They're fine supporting characters. They're fine. Okay. Um, I'll jump in next on this. I'll be I'll be quick about it. Oh, I'm gonna start with Charles Campbell. Um, even though I might have given characters that some people may not know of, um, y'all, this is Gran Torino, FYI. Um, for the people who are who heard the characters that he's that I mentioned and are like, who the fuck's that? Gran Torino for my My Hero fans out there. Um, (laughs) I have to talk about Charles Campbell first because, Noah, I like how you mentioned how he basically plays it straight for essentially the entire time, which this is exactly what this character calls for because he's a straight-laced politician. He hates the fact that Kuranosuke dresses as a woman most of the time. Hates it. Um... 
it's kind of hard to hold that over your son when you know what you did in your youth. Oh, yeah. But I have to mention this part, too, because... <laughs> so, there's a point in Sh with Shu's character and his character arc. Um, and after this incident happened, because we're going to talk about Shu next anyway. Koibuchi Sr. is talking to um, Su uh, un Uncle Saburata. Uh, about the incident. <laughs> and freaking... Um, I don't remember if he's the one who said this line. Or if it was um, Jerry Russell's character. But essentially... Bottom line... <laughs> Koyabuchi Sr. is a horn dog. Bottom line. And the fact that he had to say a couple things... With that straight... Straight face, essentially... Just added, like, had a little dose of, like, dry humor to it. And I just actually really love that. And I commend Charles Campbell on that one. Um, the truth is, I never even got to second base. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, Jerry Russell is such a delight as um, Uncle Sabrata. He's the fun uncle. Jerry Russell is just, just the fun uncle, and it's so much fun and precious, and he has a lot of energy to him. Like, obviously, he has the moments where he he, tell, he obviously has to have the serious comic stereo, because he's the goddamn prime minister. But the second he Which, sees... How did that happen? <laughs> I, I have to quit. Look at the guy. How, who? What country elected that guy for prime minister? Listen. He is no prime minister, Abe. <laughs> Shit. But, um, no, but the second he sees Kurapu in a dress, he's just like, oh, yeah, you're so cute. It's so precious. I love it. Um, and it, it, for me, I think this is one of, like, the first time that uh, that I can recall Jerry Russell prominently in a role. And it's, unfortunately, again, it's such a shame um, that we lost him almost a decade ago now. Um, cause he's, he was such a delight, honestly. Um, and as for Laura as Clara, <laughs> Laura is a mix of small, like, fun side notes and small exposition to explain moments like, oh, this is why the, um, the sisterhood get, is petrified and turns to stone, or the number one thing that you, this week that you should never ask the sisterhood is, are, is, what do you do for work, for instance? Like, like, what do you do for work, even? Yep. Um, Laura is just this fun, bubbly energy, and it's just, a f it brings a little bit of reprieve and a breath of fresh air um, to some comedic moments and even some heavy moments, too. It doesn't, like, it'll come in not during the heavy moments, but, like, as soon as you suddenly get a comedic moment and Clara comes in it helps kind of break up that that it kind of helps break that up a little bit more which is great it's a fun little addition and it's just so much fun and Laura's precious and adorable and I love her she's very cute she's also a sweetheart in real life by the way I met her um Patrick met her too wasn't this at PortCon I believe so yeah I think this was PortCon a few years ago when you and I went and we um, did an interview there with one of the guests, um, <laughs> she's such a sweetheart. She signed my Princess Jellyfish copy. I'm so happy. Anyway, precious, adorable, uh, Zen. Your um, thoughts on so these, these three supporting cast members, 
do a very good job of just bringing you into the world. I do love uh, Toibuchi Sr.'s uh, straight man. He's a lot like, you know, that guy in Airplane where, you know, everything he says is completely straight, but because of the comedic bent to it, it works. You know, yep. uh, it's he definitely, definitely very good played against it. You know, when he's talking about how um, he's not even afraid of the the whole affair thing. He, he doesn't even care. He's just like, oh, well, you know, the the uh, the uh, kids these days aren't having kids. So, you know, yep. it's good for him. He got to third base. He got he had a home run. <laughs> good, good for you. Did I? Well, they're not. Uh, I, I remember th they mentioned something about an unmarried rate. Um, it, it wasn't so much a reference to like the lack of children being born. Yeah, like that's there, obviously there was a reference a real... about that in the show. Somewhere. Well, there was a there was a reference to the. Okay, they're referencing um, what's her tits. Um, you know the girl that nobody likes in the show. Uh, because <laughs> we're they talk were about like her next anyway. Yeah, we'll talk about it next. But it was like lamenting the fact that, you know, it, it was so much easier when women just stayed at home and you didn't have to deal with them. Now that they're entering the workforce, that, that's becoming a problem for us and our, you know, XY chromosomes. So that, that was that was a little misogynistic. It was, yep. but I think a large portion of it is just he's just a poon hound. And, you know, that's that's the thing. I think it worked for his character. Um <laughs> I'm going to talk about Clara next because I have more to say about Jerry Russell. Um, but okay. Clara as Lara Warren Woodhull is amazing. And the thing I have to describe it is the anti, the anti mascot from Assassination Classroom. Because the anti mascot, the oh, anti Kunudan, anti Kunudan, because Kunudan sucked. Oh, yeah. I hate it. awful. I hated Kunudan so, so much. And then we get Princess Jellyfish. And I'm like, this is what Kunudan should have been. There's a purpose for Clara to be in the show. And everything that Clara says is funny. I think Lara Woodhull really brought this energy to the table to make it funny and not annoying. And even when they have to make her like annoyed at something, she does a great, a great job with that, you know? She is the anti-Kunudan. Lara Woodhull, great job. Okay. Kunudan's just an awful character in and of itself, anyway. It, the worst part of a fantastic show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving um, on. And then Uncle Saburota, I love immensely. And the best way to describe him is, if you've ever seen 30 Rock, how do you do, fellow mm. kids? Oh yeah, there. Yep, there it is. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's basically who Sabrata he is. He 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 wants to be hip and down with the youth, so he's always mm -hmm. saying things that are slightly out of touch. It's like, yeah, dang, my homies, like get down. And I'm like, see, these <laughs> yeah. are the references that don't date it because it's supposed to be out of touch, and I love it. Um, oh, okay, yep. I th I have a line that I wrote down. I think he said it. Oh, dad, don't be such a square. Yeah, like. He he I does a was great him. job, and then the, the, when he starts wiggling with uh, with Kuranosuke, uh, it's, it's so fun. It's just like, come on, we're wiggling. Let's all do it. It's just he's the supportive uncle that I love yep. because, like, you know, he he's just like, you know what, Kuranosuke's having fun. He's yeah. cute. I don't care. Let's let's wiggle. Come on. Kuranosuke <laughs> does not want to get anywhere near politics. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Kurnosuke does what he does because of that. 
But yeah, Uncle no, Uncle Sabrata is, is my favorite character, and I love him to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. We love we love Uncle Sabrata. <laughs> um, anything else that are you said? This group is great. I have nothing more to add. Um, I think the cool. they all do their jobs perfectly. On to the next one. All right, Patrick. All right. Um. I think I'm going to start with Sabarata. Okay. Um, honestly, I'm more used to Jerry Russell as characters like um, Gigi and uh, Catcher and Sins or mm-hmm. the neighbor and wolf children. Uh, like, Yeah. Stern. I didn't realize Gigi was in Cashier and Sins. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway... He was the the grandpa in Wolf Children, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, was. he was. I think that was probably among one of his last roles before he passed. I think it. Yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it was. I'm I'm more used to him as sort of the stern, grand paternal character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So seeing him do like this goofy, lovable, just absolute fool of a politician and the uncle of one of our lead characters is just mm-hmm. I love it I love it so much um, it really really went to show Jerry Russell's range yeah good stuff um, and on the flip side of that coin um, Charles Campbell as um, Koibuchi um I know him more as characters like Gran Torino, which kind of stern yeah. as well, but also kind of has a little bit of a lighthearted side to him. Hey, who are you again? <laughs> um, so seeing him as sort of the the more stern parental figure in this show, mm-hmm. again, it's, it's a nice contrast to what I already know. Um, so, like, they were both really, really good, and um, but I think the star of this little segment here is um, Laura Woodhull as Clara, who is sort of the inner mind persona of um, of uh, Tsukimi. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I alluded to in the introduction, like one of my favorite lines is um, in the first episode. When uh, Tsukimi is trying to save the jellyfish in the tank, and mm-hmm. she pictures her, and and Claire's just banging on the glass like, "Help me! I'm freaking dying here!" <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> freaking dying over here. Um, it, it's a line that I I have referenced for years, um, because yep. the first episode of the dub was the only one I watched in my only frame of reference. Um, but I absolutely loved it. And throughout the course of the show where she's sort of Clara is sort of the sarcastic narrator popping out of Tsukimi's head to sort of point out random factoids about the sisterhood. Um, and not particularly flattering ones at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's hilarious. I love it. I love these three characters. Thumbs up. Alright, we ready to move on to our next section? Yeah, let's do it. I have one que- uh, just one question for the for you guys here, because this is something I forgot to mention about um, the adaptation portion of it. Okay. Um, uh, um, 
the uncle continuously um, references Kurinosuke with the hunt, with the um, word pion at the end of it, which was in the Japanese, and that's supposed to be a word that just means like I think you're cute and I'm being lovey-dovey with you. Mm-hmm. But did that bug you guys that they kept that? honorific in the english no, instead of trying to translate that it didn't seem like an honorific to me. I it, even, it's I it's really actually not it. just an honorific peon is the japanese word for the sound that a rabbit makes well i get that but again that's japanese and we're trying to make this as i mean in- i didn't i didn't have an issue with it i actually didn't notice and i completely forgot it was technically an honorific because i mean mm-hmm. like the uncle also refers to Shu as Shu Shu, and then Kurinosuke sometimes is Kurapu. So I thought it was like part of like another way of like him giving Nick a nickname to Kurinosuke. He, he's really sense. the only one who does it, and I, right. I feel like he's, he's trying he, he's trying to be cutesy, and I, I think that works. Yeah, I think it works for um, the char- for Sabrata's character. I think a little bit. As weird yeah. as it is, I didn't pick up on that, honestly. <laughs> honestly, Fair to enough. me, That's, it and... seemed like less of an honorific and more of, like, onomatopoeia. Yeah, kind of. Onomatopoeia, or, like, in my case, I think, like, nickname kind of deal. Um, I mean, it, since Pion, he does Pion. give a lot of nicknames. Either way, yeah, I'm part why... of the Bun Squad here, and we approve of Peon. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just a plus for you. <laughs> you pretty, yeah. pretty much. That's All just right. gravy. <laughs> anyway, moving on to our next trio. So these three have a small, a bit more of a, well, two of them anyway, um, have a bit more of a prominent role in the show. Uh, the third one is just, <laughs> God. the third one just loves his Mercedes, I guess. Uh, so we have. It's not even his. I know. <laughs> so starting with our wonderful, okay. He's a Mercedes otaku. There we go. That's right. There it is. Starting with our Mercedes otaku, we have Yoshio Hanamori. Um, he works for the Koibuchi family as a chauffeur. Um, but we also find out partway through the show that he's actually known um, Shu Koibuchi, who is Kurunosuke's older brother. Uh, he's known Shu since they were kids. And he's kind of grown up with him. So he's been a part of the Koibuchi family for years years um we also have shoko inari who is the <laughs> is a bitch first oh of all. here she comes watch out boy she'll chew you oh, up oh, yes. oh here she comes that's the most She's appropriate the most appropriate song for this um so shoko works for a um, construction development company um, and they're the ones who are in charge of the Amamizu restoration project that involves um, Amamizu Khan and it being sold and getting destroyed and basically the major plot of the show. Um, and Shoko is Shoko is a as Noah aptly calls her is a man eater. <laughs> like she basically tricks and blackmails Shu. Um, thinking that he slept with her, <laughs> and then we go from there. And speaking of Shu, we have Shu Koibuchi, who is Kurunosuke's older brother, or half-brother, I should technically say, um, who, who, who's also kind of getting into politics as well, be, with, because of their dad, um, he, he- 
he's a junior member of the of the diet party thank you he's a junior member of the diet party um he also (laughs) two big things here one he falls in love with tsukimi after seeing tsukimi all dolled up thanks to kuranosuke um but two and this plays a part it, it also plays a major part with the whole Shoko blackmailing him thing. He's a virgin. <laughs> yeah, she will oh, be playing no. the key role of our prime cherry boy on this show. <laughs> He's a virgin, and supposedly Shoko slept. Shoko made Shu believe that sh- they slept with each other, when in actuality they did not. Um, and Shoko had no fucking idea that he was a virgin until Kurnesuke said it. Um, but anyway, the individuals voicing these characters as Hanamori, uh, we have our ADR director and our writer, Mr. Christopher Bevins, uh, in, in this role, who has voiced other characters such as Nino in Aka 13 Territory Inspection Depart- Department, Narciss in the Heroic Legend of Arslan, bringing that back around, and Joe in Prison School. Uh, as Shoko Inari, we have Jamie Markey. Who has voiced characters such as Rinslet Walker in Black Cat, Junko Anashima in Diagon Rafa the Animation, and Suyu in Noragami. And as for Shu Koyabuchi, Shu Koyabuchi is voiced by Ian Sinclair, who has voiced characters such as Zav Renfro in Blood Blockade Battlefront, uh, Sukasa Shishio in Dr. Stone, and Sachi Sugimoto, Saichi Sugimoto in Golden Kamui. Let's start with Zen. What are your thoughts on these performances? I really love these performances. I'm going to start with Chris Bevins because mm-hmm. I knew that like it sounded familiar, and I'm like, what is this? What is this voice? And I, I looked it up on my... Oh, and it, it happened with a lot of these people, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, he just uh, has a really great intonation, and seeing him as this Mercedes-Benz otaku who's completely serious, and says, no, I'm going to protect my friend, and then says, oh, well, you know, I'll get you a new Mercedes-Benz, done. <laughs> he just starts spilling the beans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mercedes otaku is an apt description of Hanamori's character. I will touch Yoshi, this car Yoshi. and smear the wax if you don't tell me. <laughs> Many years ago, your brother got... Yeah. It's just a perfect <laughs> casting job. He's good at the serious and the comedic. I love mm. it. Now, yeah. the moment you mentioned Junko and Ashima, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> You're <Because> welcome. <laughs> Jamie Markey is, is perfect for Shoko because it's not the exact same type of character... But as a character, you look at and go, this bitch. Yes. <laughs> it's this like, fucking bitch. She's entertaining. She's fun to hate. And it's a very yep. fine <laughs> line what... of, you know, a very fine line of, you have this character, you want them to hate, but you also yep. want them to enjoy the performance. And mm-hmm. I think she does a brilliant job in those types of roles. Um... Other than that, I really do love Ian Sinclair as Shu. It's weird hearing him as as a character that's not like wild and out there because right. I'm used to like I recognize him from Bacano. I rec you know, I didn't recognize Zap Renfro, but it's you know, it's that that similar voice. I'm like, where where's that voice mm-hmm. from? Um yep. but it's interesting seeing him as a more serious, more straight laced individual. 
I think he really pulled it off, but also he does a lot of the good com comedic timing when he just like runs away from a situation and he's completely yep. like, can I have my clothes, please? May I please have my yeah. clothes? <laughs> May Shoe I please have my Shoe clothes? Shu is a very awkward character and it works. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this, this group is really, really well, uh, handled. I love them all. Um, I think they were perfectly cast. I don't really have any problems with this group. Okay. Um, also, you know, I think it was a good job to pull some of these voices. It's like, I'm like similar from like stuff that these people had directed before. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, it makes sense. So yeah. Okay. Um, Patrick, how about you? I think I too will start with Hanamori. Um, I love how completely straight laced and to business he is until mm -hmm. someone either promises him a Benz or threatens the Benz he is currently with. Yep. It's great. That was a little thing that kind of didn't show itself until like the second half of the show, or at least mm -hmm. I didn't notice it. Um, and it's, it's absolutely fun. Um, Bevins does a great job with him. Um, also his, his interactions with, um, uh, a detective he knows, um. Oh, Sugimoto. Sugimoto. Um, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to get to talk to him, but we have Sugimoto who's voiced by Chris George. Yep. Um, who also acted as the ADR engineer for the show, by the way. Yeah. And I think this is one of the, the first like named credits he's had. I think well. so. Or it was the earliest one I've seen. Anyway, um, their interactions are great. Um, particularly <laughs> the scenes where um, he is um, he's trying to get pictures of the house. Yeah. So he, he draws a sketch and it's terrible. Except for the Mercedes Benz parked outside. <laughs> yes. No, I like the first one that they did, where he's like, here, draw me a sketch of the woman. It's a horrible one. Okay, now draw me a Mercedes S-Class. Mercedes S-Class. And it's impeccable. Uh, <laughs> That's I, the only I, thing that he can draw. Yep. I love visual gags like that. It's great. Ian Sinclair's shoe is also gr incredibly great. Um, yeah. Again, he, he plays it kind of straight laced but his thing is um he is so incredibly naive and especially toward women um it is absolutely hilarious um uh, and in the moments where he's he's flustered and his nose bleeds yep uh i i was busting my gut laughing just about every time he shows up it's so good. <laughs> uh, and now it's, Shoko, it's... played by Jamie Markey, is kind of an interesting one. Mm -hmm. um, where the first, like, half of the episodes she shows up in... Actually, it's, like, all of them but, like, the last two. Yeah. Um, I am just like, what a homewrecker. Yeah, she's a But bitch. then those last two episodes happen, and especially yep. the finale of... Um, of, like, Shoko and Shu's arc. I'm just yes. like, now Kith. <laughs> I kind of I... wish they got more, because, like, did, did they really have kind of a finale? We didn't get closure the to The last that. thing we see is, well, no, we see them on a plane leaving the country, and that's it. So No resolution, so nothing. Here, here's what I'll say in terms of a little background information. Um, I wrote this down just to make sure I knew this. So... 
the sh- uh, this kind of leans into the original source material, the manga. Um, so the show itself, I think, probably only covers up to the first possibly like five volumes of the manga. Um, it started mm-hmm. running in like 2009. Um, in 2009, so it really only did like by 2010 there was only like five ish five volumes out in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more <laughs> to that shit. Um, and I actually started reading the manga too. I'm on the there's a cat I think, and I'm on the second volume currently, uh, second omnibus volume I should say, and that covers See? volumes three and four. Um, See, don't you just love it when the anime is a is a glorified commercial for the manga? I really yes, wish no. we had more. I'm gonna save my spiel to the end, but oh yeah, but I just do a have thoughts. Context-wise, a little yeah. context-wise, there is a lot more to the story. 100%. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, um, but anyway. But yeah, the the three actors here, I I really liked, um, and I'm kind of hoping because I do want to get into the manga that something mm-hmm. happens between Shu and Shoko because I thought they were really cute together. Yeah. Like once Shoko stops being a bitch. Right. And she gets a nice smack to the face. <laughs> Like um, she deserved. Like when well, I saw that, I'm like, she... that is cathartic. So cathartic. Oh, well, she fucking deserved it after the shit she just tried pulling right before that. God. Um, Alright, I'll hop in a little bit next. I'm gonna start with. I'll start with Hanamori as well. Um, <laughs> Bevins is a delight. And I think Hanamori. I know. I know you've kind of. You guys have described him a little bit as. um kind of like straight lace i think comedically speaking hanamori is a bit more deadpan Mm. um which i think with this character works very very well because hanam like hanamori is a bit more deadpan so it can kind of sometimes lean a little bit into like a dry sense of humor but um just the delivery is just so straight for deadpan and it just really works like there there are very much different kind of comedic aspects thrown into the show um and again like you said like (laughs) he's very loyal and he's very like he's he's very loyal i know you said straight laced and then would just cave the instant something's involving mercedes happened there was a moment um where hanamori's talking to koibuchi senior about shu and wondering what the heck's happening and <laughs> Koibuji Senior wants Shu to like research and look into Shoko. And um Hanamori's <laughs> Hanamori is just like I have I, 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 I can't do that. I've I've been in your employ for years, but I've also known Shu since we were kids. I just can't do that to him on good There's conscience. nothing you could possibly do that could make me betray my I'll get those new bench. wheels for uh, I'll, I'll get then. those I'll get you another bench. So here is here's dress. Here's where she's hanging out. Here's here's his underwear color, and here's yep. his blood type. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> and it's just so deadpan, and the humor works so well. And Bevan's delivery on all those moments is just spot on. I loved it. Uh, Jamie is Shoko. Shoko is a goddamn bitch, <laughs> and a home wrecker. And Jamie just always has so much fun with those kinds of characters. Obviously. A big example, I didn't mention it when talking about other roles she's played, one of the biggest fucking homewreckers that she probably had the most fun with being freaking um, Panty from Panty and Stocking. Um, <laughs> like, How can you Shoko not? is a 
<laughs> Shoko is a very fun character and is such a bitch. But it just works so well, and Jamie just has that- Jamie commands your attention whenever she's on the screen, and it just works so well, and especially as an antagonistic force, too. Um, but just like Patrick said, um, once you get to, like, the last couple episodes, and we have that small, small little, like, flip in, um, her character as well, um, because- <sighs> she's an idiot she got drunk and she and she, she she wouldn't stop calling her to make sure she was fine and um he was on the way over there thinking that she did that something happened and she fakes committing suicide but like overdosing on pills basically and it's um she's dead that to wasn't me fun. <laughs> she would be dead to me like like no, she deserved, do she does, she deserved getting smacked across the face by Shu for that as, shit. As someone sure. who has actually experienced something like this in real life, a scare like that, no, that is just, no, no, you don't fucking do that. <laughs> you don't fucking do that. That's just awful. But um, definitely Jamie commands the screen whenever Shoko is involved, and she just, you, she just grabs your attention. And it's like, this is who I am. I am here. You will pay attention to me. And Jamie does phenomenal with that. Um, Ian Sinclair is shoe. <laughs> so weirdly enough, around when I first watched the show, around this time, I was starting to get a bit more familiar with Ian Sinclair as an actor. I actually watched Princess Jellyfish after Shiki, of all things. Um, and Shiki was my real introduction to Ian Sinclair as an actor really me like him standing out to me and me like who is this um so going from tatsumi and shiki if you've ever seen shiki before to this awkward virgin shoe <laughs> is the <laughs> most stark contrast you could ever ask for and it works so well because um shoe ian does carry like has the presence of a mature adult um, someone who has to um, maintain maintain a face and maintain a um, uh, a, a um, presence uh, in in politics. Well, it's not necessarily like he's like he's putting on an act. That's just kind no, 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 of no, 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 no. No, that's exactly who he is. But he like he knows he has to carry himself a certain way because that's right. just it's, I would it's mostly because that's how he's raised to begin with. It's also and very interesting kind of that he later voiced Zap Renfro, who is a notorious womanizer <laughs> oh, and possibly does well. porn. <laughs> well, forget about that. Let, let's talk in about this Space house, Dandy. In this house, we stand Ian Sinclair. <laughs> he wait, wait, has everyone, such wait, a wide can, range. Can you hear that? So good. <laughs> you guys hear that? See, that, that, that's the sound of Gigi from across the country just shouting, yes! <laughs> yes. But anyway, um... E, e, like going from a care like having a, pers a personality of just like mature and having to um ke essentially keep appearances for lack of better wording um but the moments where he suddenly becomes the most awkward human being in the world especially when it comes to women because the because Kurunosuke makes it a point to try and figure out why why he's never seen Shu with a girl at all. And he finds out from um, their uncle uh, 
their uncle and um, Hanamori, I think Hanamori is the actual person who tells them, yeah, it was Hanamori, um, that when he was younger, Shu... Hello, cat. <laughs> Hi, kitty. Meow. My kitties are in the other kitty. room yelling through I the now, door. I now have two cats in this bed. Um, <laughs> wow. Side note, I am, I'm in North Carolina for family reasons when I'm recording this. Anyway, um, wow. back on track. Uh, so the reason why Shu is not great with women is he actually caught his dad in the act, like, canoodling with um, Kurnosuke's mom. <clears throat> Um, in the wardrobe closet backstage of the opera house. So he like a couple of horny teenagers. Yep. So he has a little bit of trauma there. Um, but anything relating to women and sex and all that stuff, she was the most awkward turtle I have ever fucking seen. And Ian just portrays that so well. And he's so sweet and he can be such a gentleman at times. It's just, oh, I love it. It's a fun performance. I love every moment of it. Uh, Noah, your thoughts on these performances? I don't have uh, as much to say about Ian or uh, Chris Bevins because the uh, fine folks in this chat basically covered everything there. I think you guys listening got the point. I, I think you understand. You know what? Th these are good performances. I just want to gush about Jamie's performance really heavily because okay. in the... Uh, uh, she's the kind of role where it's like, okay, how much of this was written, scripted, and how much of it was allowed to be improv? Like, the part that yeah. really sticks out to me, you guys probably remember this too, is, um, it's like, she goes, okay, so, she goes to the nunnery, mm -hmm. and she has an accidental encounter with Kuranosuke, yep. and Shoko's assistant just kind of makes an offhand comment, like, so, that, that, that girl was really hot, and that just sets Shoko yep. off, and she starts going to this long rant about how you know, those are fake, and I'm, I'm so sorry that my boobs don't sparkle like candy. Yo. What's, what's with that Hollywood look and those eyelashes that no one goes for anymore? You just, <laughs> and I gotta know, how much of that was written and how much was just... Okay, Jamie, so I just want you to start wailing on uh, fake boobs for about uh, five minutes. Can you do that? And she's like, absolutely. <laughs> so that's... Uh, the funny part is she was absolutely right. But she <laughs> she was right and she didn't even know it. <laughs> she was. She, she she just says that about anyone. I I have to assume that she couldn't tell that uh, Kurinosuke was a crossdresser. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, she wouldn't know that. It's just no. no way. She, she just she, because she. It's one of those. It's projection where you know you see someone that you don't like and you start projecting your own insecurities onto them because that's, that's exactly how you cope with is. that. So uh, let's see. What, what having notes on uh, Jamie's entire uh, performance was really good. Uh, I do love that both we get to hear Jamie and Ian in drunk mode. We oh, get to hear boy. Jamie utter the phrase "idiot." We get to we we get lots of that fun little stuff there. And again, that's just the kind of thing where it's just really rewarding to listen to a dub that's well done for a comedy because sometimes the comedy just hits better when you don't have to read subtitles. So yeah, these three guys are, are good guys and Chris Bevins just give the guy a Benz already <laughs> clearly needs one. <laughs> give him another Benz because we already not? have three yeah. Benz. We don't need a fourth. Just oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm not talking about the character. I'm talking about in real life. All you people listening out there, chip in the money, get Chris Bevins a real Mercedes Benz. God damn it. So that's oh. all I got. <laughs> Right, or 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 we can give Zen all of Kurinosuke's wardrobe, please, please. 
Where would you keep it all? The, the, the guy's got like closets for his closets. All right, all right. All I right. will we find a way. On. We we need to move on. We 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 have oh man, we have our largest group of the night. We have the ladies of Amamizukan, the, the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that reference. Um, so, minus Tsukimi, um, we have the other four lovely ladies of Am Amamizukan, or Amars, um, as it's referred to, mostly in the manga. Um, we have uh, we have Chieko, who is essentially the dorm mom. Um, she's the the house mom. Uh, she's the daughter of the actual owner of Amamizukan. And who she, MIA. Yep, who is currently in Korea, following her her wonderful obsessive obsession with her uh, Korean actor. But anyway, um, so Chieko, um, she is essentially in otaku for kimonos. Essentially, is the main thing for her. Um, and dolls. And, mostly ki mostly kimonos, but yes, dolls. Um, have you seen her room? It is doll-centric. One of them is going to snap and kill you. I don't know which one is Annabelle, but it's one of them. Well, I, yeah, I, I must say, I do cool. love that the Annabelle reference was put there. <laughs> that was, like, we had to throw that in. We were anyway, all thinking it. We have Mayaya, who is probably one of the most vocal of the sisterhood. And she is an otaku over the Five Kingdoms. And not the cheap knockoff Moe Moe Kune kind of shit. The actual Five Kingdoms stuff. Uh, three uh, three um, kingdoms. Three, it's three, three kingdoms. kingdoms. The Legend of the Three Kingdoms. Um, the Legend My of the Three bad. Kingdoms is a famous well, Chinese story that. No, and, and don't if you, you put my, this on. long no. book that I bought Shut with all my money, uh, we will go through it and I will tell you about Shut my favorite warriors mouth. who reunited China. Shut yeah, yeah, your whore mouth. Lord Ginza would go to his palace, strike down the door. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> You, you dare bring that to Baidi Chen Fortress <laughs> on my day, the day that my daughter is to be married? You come into this the day of my daughter's wedding. I'm going to put my mic down now so I can stop doing this bit. Um, so Mayaya is obsessed with three kingdoms, and she is probably the most vocal and just out there of the four Amamizukan residents. We have Bonba. Or Afro, as uh, some stylish like to refer Afro! to her as. Afro! Afro! Um, Afro-Geddon! And she's... I would say that Bonba is a bit more tomboyish in terms of her character design. Uh, but <laughs> she is an otaku over trains. And then we yeah. have... <laughs> we have Gigi. Not, not, not that one. Not our Gigi. Not that one. one. Not that one. Although, although, <laughs> have you ever seen them in. in the same place at the same time? God damn it! I haven't. You're right. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. Anyway, as I shift positions, because my legs are starting to hurt. So, Princess Jellyfish Gigi, um, she is an otaku over older men. <laughs> And, and butler cafes and stuff. And, and she's it, very she's she's very quiet and very soft spoken and sometimes you can't understand a word she says. <laughs> it's very cute. But, 
But and anyway, the end- in addition to that, isn't there another one who doesn't speak? But we don't even see her. We don't even no, see y- you're her. Right. So we don't forget really her talk name. about her. Um, <laughs> that's um. The, the manga artist. She's the she's the BL manga artist. Yes, I forgot her fucking name. Who hates but, um, boys and is the one who says no boys allowed or I'll kill you. Well, that's just you a know. general rule from Omizukan anyway. But um, anyway, uh, the individuals playing these lovely ladies as Gigi. We have Miss Leah Clark, who has voiced characters such as Yukiko Kan Kanzaki in Assassination Classroom. Uh, Mayu in Death Parade and Saki Morimi in Eden of the East. As Bonba, we have Mary Ella Ortiz, who has voiced Ringo Seto in Angelic Lair. Shinobu Nunotoba, Jesus, Tobata, Jesus Christ, in A Certain Scientific Railgun S. And Eldora in Selector Spread. I call it Wixis. Windcross. Wickross. I call it Wixis. Um, as Mayaya, we have Monica Rial, uh, who is voice characters such as Mayrin in Black Butler, Shiro in Dead Man Wonderland, and Emma Guzman in Gar the Animation. And as Chieko, we have Cynthia Krantz, who is voice characters such as Firo in Gunslinger Girl, Kay Yoda in Rideback, and Botan, of course, and Botan. In Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, I'll start. I'll, I'll, I'll start these ones off, actually. Um, I'm going to be pretty brief. <laughs> I'm going to start with Leah because she's so quiet and very soft-spoken. And it's just very cute. And uh, one of the more comedic... I think one of the more purposeful comedic things with Gigi's character is because she's so soft-spoken. You can't really understand her. And other characters like talk over her almost constantly. I think that's the point, and I think Leah is so sweet and soft and gentle, and it's just so cute, and I love her as Gigi, and I I wish we could see more of Gigi. She's very precious. Um, I I, I argue a little bit on your your assessment that she's sweet. Like, she's soft, but if you hear any of the lines she's saying, it's not like she's saying, like, I wish for butterflies and ice cream to rain from the sky. No, no, it's like, like... Um, you know, I, I, I really enjoy the way that our next door neighbor is aging into yeah. elderly very well. It's... Or please don't come back here without your elderly manager boss. <laughs> it's but to me, the voice just sounds so adorable and very sweet. And it's so cute. I love it. Um... Yeah, but I just imagine. I'm sorry. I just imagine her like like she's cussing heavily in her head and all we hear are like the, the little bits that get out oh sweet lord we're going back to dead man wonderland aren't we exactly <laughs> anyway um mariella ortiz as bonba so mariella ortiz is a name that you don't hear come up very often and it's mostly because mm-hmm. you mostly know her from the adv days um right and according to the commentaries i think it was the episode one commentaries particular bevins had stated she was working 11 no, they said it in one first, and then they brought it up again in eleven. Um, okay, he said it in both. Um, yeah, that because she was telling both because Bevis was telling both Tsukimi and Kurnosuke's actors this. Um, Mariella actually was working, I think, in the video department specifically for Funimation for a minute, mm-hmm. and yep. um, she she came across Mrs. Jellyfish, and she immediately went up to Bevins and was like, "Can I audition for this? I want to audition for this." And Bevins' response is like, "Why haven't you auditioned at all? Why haven't you been doing this before? Why haven't you auditioned before?" <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, and I think he also stated that 
Mariella was, I think, the second one that he saw for Bonba and immediately was like, yep. There <laughs> um, <laughs> we go. Bonba, yeah, I should have mentioned this before. The, the main thing with the four ladies plus Sakimi is they each have a very distinctive voice and it kind of brings, pulls together in a really, really fun, nice dynamic. There's a reason why I I think I just as I describe Bamba as tomboy and Mariella kind of like brings it in a lower register, um, a much lower register and it's it, it almost borderlines masculine a little bit and because Bamba kind of looks a little bit more masculine, not exactly the typical female, especially with how Bamba dresses, um, mm-hmm. I think it works very well in terms of the dynamic and in terms of Bamba's personality and Bamba can really like have some fun punchlines too where's the beef <laughs> that was not in the japanese that was uh very much a pun made in um, the english and then oh hey meat where's the beef yeah exactly <laughs> um and then bamba also can be like they may not seem important to you but to chiyoko Ch- chiyoko they mean a lot like bamba can have like those hard-hitting moments too it's very nice and i love mariella's um portrayal of bamba Monica Rialis Maya is having the time of her fucking life. <laughs> oh boy. Because this, first of all, for a dub from 2011-2012, this is not a tone you typically hear from Monica. And no. it is stated as much in the commentaries as well, because the four ladies of Amamizu-Khan are in the episode 11 commentary, and this does get brought up. Um, this is not a tone that you normally associate Monica with, especially 10 years ago. Um, you hear it a bit more now, because you have um, what we lovingly refer to as Big Girl Monica. Um, and Maya-ya is just having so much fun. And, and, like Monica has so much fun with Maya-ya, and... Um, Maya's way of speaking is also very interesting, and the commentaries mentioned this as well. A lot of alliteration. Alliteration. That is the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. Excellent work. Thank you. And and that was um, a little bit of like a vocal tick that that, um, Bevan's really kind of wanted to incorporate in Maya's character, because it just fits... Maya's character and it just works so well and Monica's Monica Monica has so much energy and is just all over the place and it's just fantastic and she hits those comedic comedic beats like so well um and then as for Cynthia because Cynthia not only has to play Chiyoko she has to play her mom as well her mom so first of all two different distinct voices <laughs> um one of which side note was Bevan saying hey for your mom do your best Wendy Powell impersonation. <laughs> yes, because Wendy Powell was the one who plays Tsukimi's mom in this dub. Yep, it's kind of funny. Um, but I really love Cynthia as Chiyoko. Uh, she's she has the maternal she's the maternal figure of the house. She's the house mom, the dorm mom essentially. And Chiyoko is just so wonderful, and she's definitely one of the more put together members of the sisterhood because like she doesn't petrify as easily compared to the others including Sakimi and Cynthia just is this figure this is authority figure but she has her moments as well and it's just I love Cynthia it's very precious I love it I love all of the 
Amara's ladies. I love the sisterhood. They're so cute. Um, Lila, come back to us. Don't don't become part of the sisterhood. Themselves. I know they got the spare room, but please don't go in there. Listen, I already have a new apartment with my boyfriend. They would not let me in even if I wanted to. <laughs> Burn her at the stake! She's brought forth a boy into her life! Uh, how how dare I? How dare you? How you fucking heathen. dare I? Anyway, all four of these performances are a lot of fun. Let's move on to Noah. What are your thoughts on these performances? Oh my gosh, this is a lot of fun to listen. It, it, basically everything Lilac said. I don't even want to talk about the actual vocal performances because you basically hit on everything. I just want to list like favorite lines from each of the characters like obviously leah's got uh not as many lines but the few ones that she does get are uh they're funny because you wouldn't expect them to come out of the little girl voice that she's got there like she starts um kind of bitching out kuranosuke when he says that you you are like a little bird and she's like well i really doesn't matter what you think of me at all and then starts like babbling on under her voice very heavily just little things like that are fun to listen to it, it is. Um, it's uh, it's also fun. Um, if you do get the home video release, because I don't think this is on Funimation's website, uh, there's like these small five-minute short episodes. Uh, what are they called? They're called uh, Jellyfish Heroes. Princess oh, Jellyfish I didn't Heroes. get to watch those. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they don't advance the plot at all, but they're they're nice little like bonus chapters. And you get to see uh, Gigi's uh, obsession with old men is taken to the extreme when she actually shells out money for a jet ink printer that can like print out glossy pictures and she's like i'm paying it off in like a hundred installments or something like that that sounds like a gg thing (laughs) it doesn't it that's cute (laughs) yeah so again yeah she's very cute and god bless you leah this this was like i think the first uh role of hers that i uh remembered her for so even Mm -hmm. though leah's done a ton in both acting and writing since then yeah uh this is like the first one where i audibly recognized her I don't have as much to say on Mariella because, um, uh, like you were saying, she's got that very mumbled voice that's supposed to be a little more masculine sounding. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the line that I really like from her is, um, oh god, what I wrote it down. Um, okay, it's at the, um, it's in the second to last episode where they think that they're being kicked out of uh, the apartments because it's being taken over. Yes. And she's just, uh, she's kind of um, lamenting like. Ah, uh, this is the worst thing ever. We're we're gonna have to move. Uh, what what's the exact line here? It's like we're gonna have to move into a. Oh, is it in this episode here? Yeah, here it is. We're gonna have to live. In, we're have to be live-in workers at a gourmet food store. Yes, I remember like that. Just like in the facts of life. I remember that. Which, which, by the way, is not what was in the original. Again, f- no one in Japan has heard of Facts of Life. I haven't even heard of Facts of Life. Has anybody here seen the sitcom Facts of Life? I've, I've heard of it. I'm a little before my time. Like, I, no, no, uh-uh. And you I'm call yourself a connoisseur of old school television, Noah. For I shame. Ju- not at all. No, he not- called himself a connoisseur of animation. Get it right. Facts, yes, of, facts life of life is not animation. And yet the works of, of Jim Hansen don't come into <laughs> contact with that. So they're on a technical. You call me out on that. Oh shit. Surely must so. But and that's another example of um adaptation because that's not what was in the original. In the original it was um what was it? They were referencing um a show called Haru-chan, which I had to look up, and it's like, that's like an old 80s sitcom where the characters have to move into the 
the hot springs after they've been kicked oh, out. Okay. And it's like you can't really reference that so and they expect went, anyone. So to... they tried to basically find something similar in that regard. Okay. Yeah, th- th- that which it sounds like a stretch. I'm. It makes sense. Honestly. Though. Yeah, but Bamba gets some of the better like uh, references like that she because does. just because her dry uh, voice just fits that really well, especially with the "Where's the beef?" line. Where's the beef? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So Bamba, very good. Thank you very much, Mariella. Um, let's see. Uh, Cynthia. Cynthia doesn't get as many fun lines, although I do crack up when she she's sad that she doesn't get a makeover. Yep. Uh, so can I ask why I'm the only one who didn't get a makeover? It's not like I want one or anything. It's all about the framing. It's all about the, the framing, darling. <laughs> but yeah, so Cynthia, um, her voice is, uh, like you were saying, it's very maternal. Yes. And it's very, uh, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, uh, very business-minded. Like, you can mm-hmm. clearly tell that she's got her money situated. She's not living off of her parents' allowance. She's actually mm-hmm. making money. So it makes sense that she have more of a mature voice than the other uh, characters in the show. And then there is Monica Rial. <laughs> everything she says is funny. And that's great because everything her animation does is funny. Ev- everything ties into Three Kingdoms references in some way or another. Although, ironically enough, the thing that I love the most, like my favorite little speech by Maya, is the part where she explains to Kuranosuke why they have no money. Yes. And, the yes, whole so boomer she, conversation. It's not even a boomer. Okay, so this is very Japanese-centric. Um, now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Lost Generation that started in 1992, but essentially, uh, Japan's economy was going fan-tucking-fastic for years and decades, and then all of a sudden it exploded. It just collapsed mm-hmm. in the early 90s. So, and she claims, Maya claims that they are the children of that generation who were basically unable to get a job because there was a price freeze and money was bad. And so that's why, and then mom and dad said, don't worry, honey, we'll be happy to pay for your rent. What was I supposed to do? Just say nothing and let that be. <laughs> it's so good. It, it is very, very good. close to home, especially now. Oh, it's ironic. Lord. You're right. Because this show came out not long after the 2008 recession started. And hey, hey, look, we just had another once in a lifetime recession. So you'd think that references to specific Japanese economic collapse would be timely. Oh, uh, nope, Lord. nope. It is very easy to, to grasp. So yeah, so Sisterhood, they they all good. I, I hope they get their, their happy home someday. I hope so too. All right, Patrick. All right, Um, I think I'll start where everybody else has been starting with um Gigi. um i think steph nailed a lot of my critical portions of the four characters um pretty mm-hmm. well so i'm just gonna like noah run through a few of the the scenes i particularly liked um okay uh with lee cork's Gigi, i liked when she was um when she was actually at the koibuchi mansion um, and ogling the portraits of the old men. I thought that was absolutely fun. Yep. Um, Mariella is Bonba. I mean, everybody else has, but I gotta give props to, hey, me, where's the beef? Yes. Um, hey, meat, where's the beef? She and then gets she a proceeds lo- to continue to call Kurnosuke meat for the rest of the show. Yep. Um, well, it's not her fault. Kurnosuke doesn't give them a name until like episode ten. Also, for true. the last time, a name's not me. Wait a second. 
I never gave you my name, did I? <laughs> nope. That's right. Whoops. Kuriko? Oh, okay. Who <laughs> that? The fakest name the ever. Fakest Nobody name will buy that. They won't buy that. Oh, that's a pretty name. What? Uh, but yeah, I... Bamba just gets a bunch of the one-liners, and it's absolutely fantastic. Yep. Um, Chieko... Again, I'm gonna have to harp with Noah and do the um, the scene where it's explained to her what framing is. Yes. <laughs> Poor thing. Just give her a makeover. Give her some eyeshadow at least. No, It'll no. Accentuate the glasses. No, then, no. She looks fine just and the then, way she is. Because it happens the second time, and it's um when the right. Kurenosuke and Tsukimi go to the flea market. Mm-hmm. And um, the rest of the girls are asked to <laughs> bring stuff to the flea market, and then Kurenosuke gives stuff to make them look pretty, except for Chieko. And she's just like, What again? <laughs> well, Chieko, I mean, you're fine. What again? She wears a kimono all the time. She looks professional yeah. as is. Yeah, she, she looks just fine the way it. she is. Hell yeah. And I'm going to be honest, um, one of my favorite things about Monica Rial's Mayaya. Um, yeah. is sadly a thing that you cannot get unless you have a home video copy. <gasps> Sad face. Okay. And that is the um, the little Clara specials that they include. Mm. The Jellyfish Hero episodes. Um, the first one is of uh, is for Maya and Bonba, uh, where Maya pulls out her um, Romance of the Three Kingdoms novels. And Chieko makes a, a a snack like a like a rice ball with a with a glaze on it, and she drops it on the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not a, a rice ball. That was a a dongo. Oh, a dongo. Thank that you. That was a Dumpling. jelly donut. Come on. God damn <laughs> it! Why would you glaze a rice ball? God I don't know. Anyway, I, 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 can you do that? Hold on, I'm gonna go to the kitchen and see if you can do that. Well, Carry well, on. well, Noah's experimenting in the kitchen. Um. <laughs> Chieko drops the dongo. It gets on uh, Maya's book. She freaks out. Um, she proceeds to drop another one. Um, but Maya ends up in a dramatic Romance of the Three Kingdoms esque scene. Um, <laughs> catches the dongo in her hair. Oh my god. And doesn't notice that the glaze is all over the back of her head until the end of the episode. Um, it's absolutely hilarious. I, would, um, if you I happen wish to I had ha- the time to catch the shorts. If you happen to have the uh, physical copy and have some time to I watch have the, the shorts there. Edition, so it's I like, have to go back to that now. It's like 20 minutes to watch all four of them. Um, oh, they're okay. fantastic. Yeah, I'm really I'm really glad they, they dubbed those. Yeah, because they, they didn't have to, notes. but they went the extra mile. That's um, cute. I have to go back to them. Yeah. So overall, um, I really like these four. Um, their voices really fit the characters. Um, they have a great energy and sense of presence to the show. Um, just mm-hmm. overall, fantastic. Thumbs up. All right, Zen. Um, I think the first thing I want to say is I love how distinct the voices yes. are in a large cast of people like this that are all otaku they need to stand out and every single one you can tell who they are from the moment they speak even though they constantly speak over each other it works so well um the one that i really 
I care the least for. She's good, but I, I didn't really get with Gigi. Like, she's a good voice. It's not the fault of the <gasps> actor. Um, I, I just, I'm not a fan of the character. Okay, that's fair. Gigi's not exactly are, are you, a prominent figure in the show, so. Zen, are you saying that you are not also a huge fan of world-famous actor and Japanese icon, Takeya Chia? I have no idea who these people are, but also I'm not oh into God. old men. I'm sorry. You're not into... It's just a shame. For, for reference, the, the person who Gigi keeps drawing is an actual actor, um, and he actually passed away uh, not long after this anime came out. Oh, okay. Aww. Yeah, so I didn't I, know that. It was, it was very much a, a tribute to him, because uh, apparently he was in declining health when the show was in production. Oh, that's Aww. cute. I like that. So yeah, like I don't have a lot to say about Gigi. I think it's a good performance. I like the idea of the gag. I'm just not a fan of it per se, but it's she's not a very big part of the show, so I'm not really complaining. Um okay. Yeah. I love Bonba. Bonba is probably one of my favorite of the secondary cast because uh yes. I, I think they're actually really stylish and they show like when when she shows up to a stylist who's dressed in the same clothes, the same type of overalls and, and like afro and like it shows that a lot of these characters are just the fact that they're held back is a lot in their head yes. and um bomba doesn't really care like she just is who she is she has a deep voice she's a bit tomboyish but she really works as a character and i love how yep. um she just does what she wants to do she's never really you know while she is phased by the stylish people She's one of the least phase, I want to say. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that. As for Chieko, I have to give major props to Cynthia Kranz. Loved her as uh, as Botan, bringing some of that motherly energy here. But I have to give props because they didn't make the character who's chubby have a deeper voice or, or sound yes. weird as a result which is common the in the stereotypical type of fat right. girl voice essentially and they didn't do that it's more she's a homely person she likes yes. dressing yep. in in uh, kimonos and that's perfectly fine she's a normal motherly figure and they did a great job yes. with that voice um as for maya i have one thing to say mm -hmm. i love and adore this voice and I've, I've been one in the past to say Monica Rial, her natural voice, because the, the young Monica voice is her natural voice. Yes. It just, it doesn't sound natural to me. And I'm sorry, it, it, in, in a lot of these roles, I know it's your natural voice. It just, something about it doesn't work for me. But when, when you get her to do stuff like this, this is amazing. Every <laughs> single line is gold. Zen, you need to watch Michiko and Hachin. Uh, I, I definitely do. But then again, she was also in Tokyo Ghoul. And I loved her in Tokyo Ghoul. Well, so well, if you really want a true big girl Monica voice, <laughs> you have to watch Michiko and Hachin. I'm just saying. And it's like, it's I amazing. Ah. It's like I, I wouldn't even say you have to watch the the whole show just because like that that's a very episodic show. So if you just like want one episode to get a feel for it, that that will give you the Monica big girl fix you need. Oh yeah, it's really good. Mhm. Mm and it's not like I I want to harp on on Monica Real cuz I met I met her in real life 
She's a no, sweetheart. Yeah, she's a, she's a and sweetheart. I love her to pieces. And and it's like, but I have to call it out, you know, in a lot of the dubs that I see, like Assassination Classroom, I just don't think she fits the role. And But then I see her in stuff like this and it's perfect, you know? Yep. I getcha. Anything else? Are we good to move on? Because we're down to our last two. I'm good. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Yay! So let's talk about our two lead characters. We have Tsukimi Kirashita and we have Kuranosuke Koibuchi. Tsukimi is this sweet little sweet girl. She's probably 18 to 21 around that age. Um who moved to Tokyo to become an illustrator and ends up living at Amamizu-kan uh, and is part of the sisterhood. And she is a jellyfish otaku uh, because of her mother uh, being the sweet, adorable mother that she is. Um, and Tsukimi it can be very, very awkward. <laughs> very awkward and does not know what to do around stylish or boys, for that matter. Enter Kurinosuke. <laughs> So Kurinosuke is introduced, of course, in the first episode, um, uh, cross-dressing as a woman, uh, and he helps um, Tsukimi rescue jellyfish Clara from the pet store, or else Tsukimi was going to, uh, not Tsukimi, uh, Clara was going to freaking die over here. Um, I'm freaking dying <laughs> over here, man. Mm -hmm. And and then after that, Kurinosuke just kind of sticks around. Um around Amomizu-Khan and Tsukimi because he's just so curious and so interested in them. Um, and he is a fashionista. It's so great. Uh, I am using he pronouns. I will say this. I'm using he, him pronouns because that is how he is addressed in the show that, as well as the manga. Yeah. I'm going to make that clear right now before people come at me in the comments. Um, I'm just going to refer to Kurnosuke as he, him because that is how he's referred to in the show. He refers to himself as boy throughout the dub. Yes, so I'm going to go Constantly, constantly. Uh, yes, so I'm going to refer to Kurinosuke as he, him, though nowadays, if the show is redone, I would not be surprised if Kurinosuke leans towards the non-binary um, area, and I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, but these two are the stars of our show. Um so, in terms of who plays our wonderful characters, uh, starting with Tsukimi, uh, we have Maxi Whitehead as Tsukimi Karashita. Uh, Maxi, you would know as characters such as Alphonse Elric in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, not 2003, that was Aaron Dismuke, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, um, Krona in Soul Eater, and Jews. <laughs> Tokyo Ghoul. Speaking of, Juzo Suzia in Tokyo Ghoul. And as mm -hmm. for the ever fabulous Kurinosuke, we have Josh Grayley. Josh Grayley has voiced other characters such as Cartophilus in The Ancient Magus Bride, Kotetsu in Kamisama Kiss, and Yuri Kotsky in Yuri on Ice. Uh, let's start with... You know what? Let's start with Patrick. What are your thoughts on these performances? All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with Tsukimi. Um, okay. I thought Maxi did a great job um, sort of giving Tsukimi this great sort of gentle, almost childlike voice. 
the this character really has an arc to her and um i think one thing that she was able to nail really well was um mm -hmm. scenes in which um tsukimi's trauma bubbled up to the surface yes um because um one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is um she is very deeply traumatized by the death of her mother. Yep. Mm -hmm. Her mother passed away when she was a little girl. And she actually, like, like one of those instances where she actually collapsed on the beach right in front of her. Yes. Um, it, like, it affected her pretty deeply. And um, things like seeing jellyfish in a tank or a flowing dress suddenly mm -hmm. reminds her of her mother. And she just kind of blue screens on you yep so i thought maxi did a, a really really great job with that um i think my favorite scene of tsukimi's is um toward the end of the show uh with her sort of getting over her her phobia of being around people and the, the excuse me um the stylish Mm -hmm. uh, in order to do the fashion show. Yep. The final walk. Yes. Um, I thought so that good. was really great. The The little monologues to her mom with every episode were also absolutely delightful. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, um, Kurinosuke and Josh Greeley. Um, again, an absolute delight. Um, Josh was able to sort of give Kurinosuke this really high register and mm -hmm. he's got a lot of pep and energy and spunk to him. Um, but one, the scene that really stood out for me and I can't remember which episode it was. Um, it's him having sort of an internal monologue toward his mother. Um, I think that was, like, within episode three and four, I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, no, it's it's later. Um, oh, okay. It's, it's in the second half, probably. Um, I want to say, like, episode eight or nine. Okay. Um, but Kurinosuke is sort of having this internal monologue, like, um, what would have what would it have been like if I were born a girl, you know? Oh, that, yes. Okay. Like, I thought that was really kind of beautifully well done. Um, mm -hmm. Like, Josh Greeley does really great with both, like, high-energy comedy and then being able to bring it sort of to a lower level to sort of be a little more solemn, I guess. Mm -hmm. Kurnosuke is a very complicated character, and... Um, they managed to sort of get the the emotional beats of Kurnosuke down really, really well. So, props to Maxi, props to Josh. Um, solid thumbs up. All right, Zen. Oh, I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna start with Sukimi because I probably have the least to say about her. Not that I don't love her, but um, the second one is a little bit more involved. Okay, so this is a different role that I'm seeing from Maxie Whitehead. I'm used to her, like, Krona and and uh, the character from Tokyo Ghoul, where she's usually freaking 
out with her trauma. Mm-hmm. Very like she still has that same held back, reserved, panicky feeling in both roles, but she freaks out very differently in those shows where it's more of a panic attack trauma response. Whereas here, she's much more like down to earth, a normal girl, and it's more just mm-hmm. grief and depression. And I related so much to this character, to this role. Like, you know, some days I just want to be a jellyfish, just, you know, swim in the ocean, not have to worry about these problems, not have to worry about life. Why am I so depressed all the time? Like, this hit home in a very big way. And Mm -hmm. Maxie Whitehead brought it home. It's a hard role because you have to be sincere. You have to really showcase the freak out you have to panic and 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 comedy and all this stuff but you also have to have these quiet moments and and then there's moments where she goes into attack mode and she's all into the dress and there's a moment where she's like singing a song about jellyfish while snipping a dress and it's such a layered character (laughs) jellyfish jellyfish while she's destroying a dress yes (laughs) Must protect Sakimi. She's a really cute, precious character, but she's also very much dealing with grief and depression because she sees herself as worthless where, you know, every single situation she misinterprets because her brain makes it out to be that she's not um, worth anyone's attention, but she's so Mm -hmm. pretty. And over the course of the show, she grows and changes and... Um, while I want to see more of this, Maxi really brings it out. Okay. Okay, Josh Greeley is now one of the, the meaty portion for Zen. <laughs> I got those. I got those rice balls here. Everybody have one. We're gonna be here a while. Please don't. Please let's not be here a while. But I understand. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna say this is probably one of the best roles they have ever done. Because, dear yes. fucking God, I love this so much. <laughs> um, this is a difficult role to pull. Because the character is a man who is very much into fashion, very pretty, has been a model, but is into dresses and stuff because of their mother, has to deal with all this grief, but mm-hmm. feels right dressing as a woman. And it, he did say... He does it to avoid politics and annoy his father. But there's an underlying thing when he says, I wish that I was born a woman to make things easier. And it's like, he's not outright trans and canonically not trans. That's what, like, moments like that are the reason why I think if it was redone today, Kurenosuke could potentially lead more into the non-binary Yes, and um, I do think it's very fitting that uh, they are played by Josh Greeley, who has also recently not come out as non-binary. Yes, uh, non-binary, and they. It's it's very fitting. I just think this is a character that means so much to me because Mm -hmm. for this time period to get something like this. Mm-hmm. With this level of representation, a character questioning their gender, openly cross-dressing, like just trying new things and being a pretty boy, you know, 
it's it's not necessarily something new because we get Bishonen all the time, but this is a character who says like, "Hey, maybe it would be better if I was born a woman." It's it's very yeah. close to home for me, and and to do this character justice, you need a good voice actor. Josh really kicked this out of the park, and it had a home run and a grand slam, and it passed that part because this is a fantastic job. It's hard because they have to constantly switch between the boy voice and the girl voice and slip yes. in and out. When he, when, when they're serious, they have to slip out, and it's a hundred percent so damn wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to go on too too much longer, but Josh, if you're watching this, thank you. Th- this role meant a lot to me. Yay, uh, Noah. <laughs> I know that's a hard one to follow up on. That is. I kind of wish you'd, you'd ask Zen to go last now that I think about it. But that, that's okay. I'll I'll be humble about the follow up because, um, and I'm really glad you mentioned the the little song that she sings when she's cutting up the dress. She's like, "Purple jelly, so jelly, we're yep. gonna cut you and make you pretty dresses." And I can't possibly match the cuteness of that. But that really <laughs> does show. Um, the thing I was kind of surprised on in a rewatch was uh, hearing the range that Maxie has to play. Yes. Because uh, while she does have a very good subdued 18-year-old timid character voice, um, she has a lot of other things she has to play because she has to do that. She has to get super obsessed over jellyfish and get like crazy scary when she gets into her taco mode. Mm-hmm. And then she's got to be cutesy when she's like daydreaming about jellyfish. She does that really well also and then and then and then she has like these moments where she's in shoes fantasies mm-hmm. like Shu is imagining her yep. in her debutante mode and she's got like that very but i have nowhere to move to whatever will i do <laughs> kind of yes <laughs> so yeah so the delusional does the entire... shoe delusional shoe <laughs> That poor kid, that poor guy. For the longest time, I had I had that gif of Shu shoving um, Shoko out of the way with the subtitle, like, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Like, that was my favorite gif <laughs> of the whole time. Fuck this bitch, I'm out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so to, to echo what everyone said, Maxi does a really good job, and she really anchors this entire show. Like, the show is through her eyes. She is yes. the point of view character. So uh, that vulnerability that Maxi brings to it uh, which is kind of helped by the fact that they recorded this when Maxie was relatively young, and yep. she actually did all of the recording for this right before leaving for grad school. Yes. Uh, she had to leave Florida for that. So you can imagine that she brought a lot of that uh, young student mentality to the character. So it, it may be typecasting, but it worked out really well for this uh, for this performance. I haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood yet, so I don't know how she did in that. Neither but I have, have seen I. her. I have seen her in Bacchano as uh, Cheslaw Mayor, which is yes, a very different kind of character. One. But that wasn't it? Wasn't it that was a one. very different role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Annie Plex, let Funimation put that show back on streaming again. Bring Bacchano back. Please. Hashtag bring Bacchano back. Yes. Anyway. Save Bacchano. But, and make more episodes of it. Um, okay, because Karanosuke, like you said, very complex character. And I was thinking um, in the way that this manga was created, because Karanosuke just kind of poof, shows up out of nowhere yeah. as a, a hero, basically. Uh, so I have to wonder, was the mangaka's mentality 
trying to show Tsukimi that anyone could be a beautiful princess, even if that character isn't the kind of person who you would imagine being a princess, or in this case, someone who's born male. I'd like to think so, so honestly. Yeah, so I, I'm not sure if the your theory about um, Kurinovsky would have been um, out trans if this uh, series was made in the modern era. I'm um, certainly a possibility, but I like that idea that Kurinovsky represents uh, someone who is confident in a hobby that is not traditionally associated with their gender, mm -hmm. is very good at it. Yeah. Like, he's got women in school, like, fawning over him. That's just like, wow. Well, that's really just because Kurinovsky is a pretty boy to begin with. That helps. That helps out quite a bit. There, there's uh, there's no denying that. Mm -hmm. Heck, I, I, I'd hit on him. <laughs> but Damn to bring it Noah. to... I, I'm but is Josh Greeley good in this role? And the answer is yes. And I think a good portion of that uh, was also kind of revealed in the commentaries, where I believe it was Josh. Uh, they were talking about how this show kind of revitalized their interest in anime yes. because it was so different and so special compared to well they didn't flat out say it but i have to assume that they were talking about the moe boom or the fan service boom that was going on in the Probably. the late yeah it's just like it this is right. very different i think that was what was kind of alluded to it was like that's what a lot of shows were being made like and you know princess jellyfish is very different from that mm -hmm. so I like that Josh differentiates very obviously between the female and male persona. I like the funny lines that are sometimes it's condescending to the sisterhood. Like uh, they're fantasizing about uh, the whole sisterhood is fantasizing. I've never lived in a hotel before. It'd be kind of <laughs> nice to live in a grand hotel. Whereas Kurinosuke jumps in and is like, wise up, you five ain't going to be living in the damn hotel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Favorite line of that episode. So yeah, that there is not one sour note in the recording of this whole thing. Josh absolutely nails this from what feels like a genuine passion for the content that was being recorded. Mm -hmm. And uh, if there's anything that was lost in the translations, like the actual Japanese to English portions of it, uh, they cover it up really well. There's uh, like I, again, I got notes on things that were changed up here, but it doesn't matter because. All that matters is that everyone here enjoyed listening to it, and that is entirely because Josh just absolutely nails this. It is a very comfort show. I, I put it on yes. every now and again, and, you know, I, I was watching it when I had a 100-degree fever the other day, and then today, <laughs> and uh, yep. it, it soothes the soul. Yes, it sure does. It's that's, so precious. That's interesting. But um, anyway, uh, that leaves me. I will start with Maxi as Tsukimi. Maxi Whitehead is not normally known for voicing female characters. Nope. Not in the slightest. And I'm surprised that hadn't been brought up yet. Um, oh, Summer Wars. I forgot about Summer Wars. Maxi is primarily known to voice male or boy characters. Specifically boy characters. Mm-hmm. So, first of all... The, to see her come and play Tsukimi, which is one of the very rare times where she gets to play a female character, is just an absolute delight. And Tsukimi as a character is just so much fun. Maxi got to be 
sweet and charming, a little awkward, very nerdy. <laughs> um, Tsukimi's nerdy moments about jellyfish are just the greatest. And props to Maxi for having to do essentially a long nerd out spiel in like almost a single breath, basically. <laughs> um, props to her on that. Um, and a lot of the points that the rest of you have already brought up, I, I don't want to go too repetitive. Um, like, Tsukimi has hard-hitting moments with her trauma, too, with her mother, and her idea of what a princess is in her eyes. Um, like, there's a lot going there, and there's a lot of layers and complexities with Tsukimi's character, and Maxi just straight up nails it. It's one of the most fun... This show is fun in general, but Maxi... Maxi Tsukimi is just a wonderful delight um, and it just, it, she makes Tsukimi relatable. She makes Tsukimi relatable to other girls, especially girls who, um, f feel the same way probably as Tsukimi does and don't see themselves as princesses because of how they looked or how they act. Um, so seeing a character like Tsukimi and, um, having women relate to that is just so good. And Maxine, like, knocks it out of the park. <sighs> In terms of Josh's Kurinosuke. So, I mentioned earlier, um, when I was talking about Ian Sinclair, that one of my first real times where I noticed him as an actor was with Shiki and all that fun stuff. Kurinosuke was the first time I really noticed Josh as an actor to be completely honest. And oh my god. <laughs> this is this is my like if in case you can't tell, this is my favorite performance of the entire goddamn show. Because Josh just nails every little little bit about Kurinosuke from the femininity and the the femininity, the the stylish, the slang fashionista parts of Kurinosuke but also, as well, the aspects where Kurnosuke does present himself as male. Um, and just being, like, nonchalant and just like, eh. And going to Sakimi and taking the wig off and, like, what is wrong with you? Why can't you just be used to me being a dude? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> so nonchalant and I absolutely love it. It's very great. And... It's, it, like like Zen said, I think it's very appropriate that Josh ended up being the person who got to voice Kronos, okay? Granted, this is a decade before they came out as non-binary, but I think it's very appropriate that Josh got to portray a character like Kronos, okay? Because Kronos, okay, as a character, is unique in and of themselves. Um, mm -hmm. and Whatever it's, part of the gender spectrum they fall on. Yes. Obviously... For the source material and the show we're talking about, it's male, but who knows what could happen. Like, like nowadays, how Kurnosuke could be perceived. But Kurnosuke is such a fun energy, and Kurnosuke brings out the best in Tsukimi. Kurnosuke brings out the best in the um, sister, the ladies of the sisterhood. And Joss is just a fantastic performance, and I cannot, I cannot stop gushing about it. It's one of my favorite Josh Green performances ever. 
100%. Like, if there was a big reason why I wanted to do Princess Jellyfish as an episode, and especially as a classics episode, Josh has a huge hand in that. 100%. Um, but both Maxie and Josh are just absolutely phenomenal um, as Tsukimi and Kurinosuke. And they just bring out such fun comedic but also heartfelt and deep moments and it just i think it rounds out the show so so well um on that give us season two brain space oh or remember the q a and there was someone who asked us about a series that they think should get the fruit basket treatment i want to change my answer to princess jellyfish god damn it <laughs> Too late. You, you know that actually is a good answer <laughs> Yeah, like I originally said Yon of the Dawn because my brain was thinking, but then when I rewatched Princess Jellyfish, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> this, oh, is, yeah, this is after I already this. this is after I already edited the show. This is after I already edited the Q and A mostly, and I'm like, damn it, I'm not just gonna go back and change my answer as much as I fucking want to. Um, but I would say, <laughs> please give give um, Princess Jellyfish the fruits basket treatment, please. <laughs> I I still say Soul Eater deserves a second shot, but that's me. I mean, maybe. Would a, would, a, would a remake of Princess Jellyfish be called Princess Jellyfish Sisterhood? Sisterhood <laughs> of the not. Traveling yeah. Pants, the second summer. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, we've been rambling on for too long. We need to finish this off. Let's move on to final thoughts. How about we, st and, and I'm going to ask to try and be as brief as humanly possible with this. Um, let's start with Patrick. What are your final thoughts on the dub of Princess Jellyfish? Yeah, I um coming back to the show after probably about a almost a decade. Um it's a really fun time. Um it you know, coming into watching it in my my early 30s, um like the sort of core message of the show of being honest with yourself and your wants and your needs. Um, it, it kind of resonated. So, um, show itself I give a wholehearted recommendation to. Um, the dub is spectacular, so obviously I recommend that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, if you happen to be able to find a physical copy, do check out those little, those little mini shorts that they put in. Because those are also absolutely hilarious. Alright, uh... Noah, what are your final thoughts on the dub of Princess Jellyfish? Oh, I also say you should find a physical copy, and it absolutely breaks my heart that this show was re-released on the save label, which is usually reserved for the shows that <sighs> are, like, not selling as well, and I'm like, my heart just <clears throat> broke yeah. for that. Yeah, because this is a very unique and special show, and these guys have already echoed all of my thoughts on the, the emotional core of it, and the, um... Uh, representational portions of it as well. Um, the thing I just really want to call out is the overwhelming challenge of taking so many Japanese references that were just peppered through the original, because again, this was intended for a Japanese audience who just get regular references, mm -hmm. who remember sitcoms from the 80s or uh, reference the, the political party, of all things. And making that acceptable to a point where anyone can watch this in dub without almost any knowledge of Japanese society or pop culture at all and still get most of it. 
either because they changed it or they added some context to things that need to make sense. There's a freaking Indiana Jones reference in here that they just tossed in for the fun of it. Nope. That's the kind of level that we're talking about here. Go watch this. Go enjoy it. Go get your jellyfish on. All right, Zen. This show is special in so many ways. Um, the message of being true to yourself, sticking to your guns, it doesn't matter if you're an otaku, you, these things are important to you and that's what's important, but also fight for what you believe in and work yes. and improve yourself at the same time. Uh, very important messages. It's not disparaging otaku and at the same time helping. Uh, it's just very good message, great representation, I, but I would like to see more. I think the biggest problem is that it kind of just stops the character arcs yeah. are just, you know, they don't go enough. And it's like, I love it. I love it to pieces, but it's not complete. And I want to I want to read right. the manga, but it's not fully there. But for what this show represents to me about representation and, and seeing someone in this media that is questioning their gender and is cross-dressing and I want all those outfits... It's special to me, and I, I, I <laughs> yeah. think the dub really brings that out. It is a near-perfect dub. I, I think it's it's close to my top, but there are a couple things that hold it back. I do think Blood right. Blockade Battlefront is, is higher up there, simply because nothing is out of place. But overall, this is fantastic dub, fantastic show. Go check it out. It should be in your collection. I am jelly that I do not have it in mine. You need to fix that. I do. You didn't catch the pun there. But you were jelly that it's not in your collection. <laughs> I was peanut it. butter no, and jealous. <laughs> oh, God, I like that now. Shit. <laughs> peanut butter and jealous. I like that. Shit. I have to steal that now. Anyway. Um, so, again, I really wanted to talk about Princess Jellyfish. I really love Princess Jellyfish. It's one of those... To, to kind of repeat a little bit of what everybody else has said, it's one of those shows that not only is a fun comedic time, but it also, it also tells you about being true to yourself and how to love yourself for who you are. And that you can be the princess you always wanted to be and it's such it, it, it's so relatable and it can hit home in so many ways and it's just a fantastic show um in and of itself i'm also sad that it just abruptly ends um hey let's let's give it the first basket treatment <laughs> like please <laughs> um the manga ended a long ass time ago let's give it the first basket treatment um did it yeah it did actually oh did not know that it did um me... i can it, it ended 2017 yeah it ended in 2017 you're right um but in terms holy of... crap 2017 was four years ago now oh yeah you're telling me but anyway in terms of the dub the dub is just the dub i think takes the material and i'd say almost elevates it to me um and it makes it very accessible to an english-speaking audience and that was the whole 
point behind the dub is to make it accessible for an English-speaking audience. Um, mm-hmm. And to show, especially as otakus ourselves, that otaku it cannot... Otaku doesn't have to be, like, boxed in with anime and manga. Um, you can be a train otaku. You can be a Three Kingdoms otaku. You can be a video game otaku. You can be an Excel spreadsheet otaku, since that got thrown in earlier. Um, you can be... an obsessive nerd about anything and uh, being an otaku is not a bad thing it's not and the dub i think portrays that very very well it does very well with some of the um i'd say sensitive some of the more sensitive topics and materials um that is in the show um like kuranosuke in general like some of the shit that Shu has to go through, like Tsukimi's trauma with her mother passing. It's just such a fun... The dub just is phenomenal. You, If you haven't seen Princess Jellyfish already, please go do so. The only thing that could potentially hold it back, and I think, and I said this earlier, is younger, newer generation of anime fans, there might be some references or some things in there that you either may not understand or you might get turned put put off by because 10 years ago, because 2011, 2012 is very different time compared to 2021. Um, and people grow, people change, people learn about new things. Um, so there are things that may not sit well to you. or So... That's the only possible drawback with this show. Um, But please, please, please go see it. It is fantastic. It is, I highly highly think of it as a classic show, honestly. Um, And I really do wish that someday, someday we get more Princess Jellyfish. In the meantime, though, if you are interested in watching Princess Jellyfish, you can watch it either on Funimation with their streaming service, or I did find it was also on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, you can watch it on either spot. But because we've said it before, um, well, backtrack a minute. Um, the show is also available on DVD only through the Save Edition label, unless you are like Patrick and stupid fucking lucky and managed to get the LE set <laughs> that is severely out of print. Yeah, I just um, looked, up, uh, looked it up on eBay. They're like 200 bucks a pop. Dang. Yeah. To which I, I tweeted this the other day. Fun, dear Funimation, please re-release Princess Jellyfish. I will buy that shit. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, if you want to know about the complete story of Princess Jellyfish, because again, 11 episodes only covers four, maybe five volumes of the manga. Uh, the manga is available. All of it has been released. It is from released thanks to Kodansha. Um, it is released in omnibus volumes. So each omnibus volume has two individual volumes in it. Uh, and yeah, you can go check it out that way. Uh, there's also a box set, by the way. with There is a full box the, uh, set. With all the volumes included. Yes, there is a full box set. 
and I need to keep collecting War of the Manga. I only have two Omnibus volumes so far. If you are interested in anything that we here at Dub Talk do, uh, the easiest way to do it, if you are currently watching us on YouTube or if you are listening to us either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podbean, um, easiest way to do that is to follow or subscribe to us. Um, we put out episodes every week, um, sometimes twice a week, depending on how much we have on the back burner. Um, but uh, you can follow or subscribe to us, and yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Be fun. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Instagram is kind of dead. Um, Twitch, Tumblr is also dead. Um, all of that at Dub Talk Podcast. And if you want to contribute a little bit more uh, and support us even more, uh, for we do have a Kofi account if you want to give us like a small one-time donation. Or we also have our Patreon account uh, where you can uh, be one of our patrons and get fun little exclusive early looks, little clips. Um, we like to chat with you. We're, we're also slowly working on trying to expand the Patreon a little bit more in terms of what else we want to offer for rewards and things like that. Um, and speaking of, uh, we of course have to shout out our patrons. We have our $5 tier, Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travelis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Sue Tweet, and Victor Mayborda. And for our $10 tier, we have Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2 aka Jared, Julia W, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. You are all wonderful human beings. We love you. Thank you very much. Um, for anything that the four of us idiots do, I'm going to try and be as accurate as humanly possible, and you can correct me if I am wrong. If you, want an, if you want to catch anything that I do, my name is Stephanie. I am also known sometimes as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I also have a blog, Life and Times of WordPress.com, that I sometimes update if you want to go check out stuff there. If you want to see anything that Patrick does, you can follow him on Twitter at Roots of Justice. He also has a blog or something? <laughs> yeah, it's kind Maybe? of... Maybe? Work in progress. Work in progress. The, past, the entire time I've been on this podcast. <laughs> for the past five years. <laughs> uh, and I've got some other projects sort of on a slow simmer. So Gotcha. Keep an eye out. Someday. Someday. Uh, if you want to follow anything that Zen does, you can follow her on Twitter, and I correct me if I am wrong, uh, at Zenith Bun Squad? Zenith underscore Bun Squad. Okay. Got it. Or, um, I don't even know if you changed your YouTube channel. <laughs> um, I don't know if you did. It's going to be changed to, uh, to the Bun Squad, Right now, it's Zenith Warrior Princess. Um, yes. We're we're in the process of revamping things, but the main channel, if you search for the Bun Squad, it's all bunnies all the time. You can join yep. the Legion of Bunnies. <laughs> Where she does a variety of content, whether it's history of One Piece, whether it's streaming games, whether she um, does a lot of stuff with like Marvel and things like that, um, you can go check her out there. Uh, as for Noah, you can follow him on Twitter at Noah Clue, or you can check him out on YouTube at Journey Traveler, where he will post different kinds of videos about various. His, various points of animation. Cartoons, cartoons are love. Cartoons are life, <laughs> and you should, uh, you should, uh, every one of you out there, expose yourself to more animation than what you've just been watching right now. 
go watch the Irish movie Wolfwalkers. It should have totally won the Academy Award for Best Anime Feature. It was way better than Soul. All that right, all right, all right. Sit down. Sit down. And I'm already finally, sitting down. <laughs> if you like Noah, <laughs> he shows up down. in the Dark Crystal review that I did, and that's enough for Jim Henson. Oh, Jesus. And... You haven't even gotten to Sam and Friends yet. Anyways, we're trying to finish this up. Shut up. So, on that note, it is time to go to bed. Roots. Patrick has to wake up to work in the morning. Oh, boy, do I. Um, oh, boy, do you. I'm sorry. But to close it out, uh, I want to quote um, the mangaka of Princess Jellyfish. Because in the manga... She has, before the start of the, each volume, she has these little notes to the readers. Um, and I wanted to read this one that I found um, in the second Omnibus volume. This one is for, particularly for the start of volume three itself. And I think it's very appropriate. So, dear readers, I guess girls really do aspire to be princesses, no matter their age, huh? But it's so hard to find the right occasion to don a dress. Nowadays, you can buy cosplay-type dresses for pretty cheap online. Dearest readers, just like Kuranosuke, go ahead and do whatever you really want to do. From Akiko Higa- Higarashimura. So, on that note, we love you. Do be yourself. We love you for who you are. Don that dress. Wear those heels. <laughs> So, on that note, hell yeah. Happy Pride Month, ladies, gents, and our non-binary friends. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And until next time, otaku on, my friends. Otaku on there, Daba. Aloha. Be gay. Bye, everyone. Be gay, do crimes. (laughs) Be gay, do lots of crimes. <laughs> Good. That's a fitting way to end a show about politicians. Ah, uh, yes. God damn it. Good Not night, wrong. everybody. Not wrong. Take it easy, guys.